Dr. Wong here, coming into your room to bring... It looked like you had almost like a mechanic guy in there, too. Like, what the heck was that guy all about? I don't know what the fuck that guy was. I don't know what the fuck that guy That was just some, like, repairman that just, I guess, who just took a shit in our bathroom and left. He's like, oh, you can go in here, take your shit, do whatever you want. Fuck the boy, I don't care. <laughs> fuck the boy! Fuck the 29-year-old boy! <laughs> 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 he, he's worthless to me you know he he only pay $600 rent that's not very much you know what I mean this building costs like $24,000 so you know fuck that $24,000 in a whole fuck lot either <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you want San Francisco property is $24,000 that's okay that's what that's the kind of property Dr. Wong wants <laughs> 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 I just thought you know because you'd always make all those jokes about him and I'm like well this probably might help the situ- the case I have with him so just filmed it and then like just my conversation with him and then I just like Spencer will find this funny because he finally will know what he looks like so I just send <laughs> you know it's always like the most perfect way if you ever need to like spy cam like record someone mm-hmm. is you just take like your, your iPhone or anything like that and if you wear a shirt like a polo or pretty much a flannel that's got like the little pocket mm-hmm. you can just put it in your breast pocket because most of the camera will still pop out right above it I guess mm-hmm. the downfall is maybe the microphone might be a little bit muffled there. But you can literally walk in and nobody really knows, but it just looks like you have a phone in your pocket. Yeah, it kind of does. He he, could, he knew. I was I was trying to piss him off, though. I was trying to get him to leave because that's what I woke up to at 9 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, you're like, fuck that shit. Yeah, I just got a text from you now. I don't know if you I don't know if you just sent it to me now or how long ago, but I just got your text. I, well, I just watched it only about 10 minutes ago, so. Yeah. Evil Dr. Wong, welcome to the Old Man Orange Podcast. I'm Spencer Scott Holmes. Brian Dunnigan, did you just send me that text a minute ago, or is that like from five or ten minutes ago just now received? Yeah, like five minutes ago, probably, if I had to guess, somewhere around that ballpark. But, uh, no, you're saying something about a Martin Scorsese movie? Oh, I said, I'm like, it just looks like a Martin Scorsese movie, just the way those guys were dressed up and everything like that, and they're just like, ah, oh, Ryan Dunnigan, I didn't see you there. We just thought we'd be using your room, you know, because technically I own it, you just pay for it. So, you know how it is! <laughs> And no one could see Spencer doing the evil, like, mad scientist, like, fingers clapping together thing. I don't know what you call that, but it looks, it always looks so kind of, like, evil and kind of rapey at the same time. Just wiggly it, fingers slapping together just looks so fucking rapey. I don't know what it is. Just like wiggly dicks slapping together. Exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, Do- Dr. Uh, Wong, he just kind of reminds me of almost like if Hugo Strange had kind of, like, a lesser intelligent, dumb fucking nephew... <laughs> who, who, who couldn't really like work toward uh, up towards like the mad scientist level or working in arkham or fighting batman so instead he has to just buy some low rent apartment in san francisco and pretty much just fight his tenants pretty much folks to give you a if you're just kind of like what the fuck are they talking about and this is your first episode yeah, like what the fuck podcast is this is this a podcast where people complain about their landlord because i want to join in i basically i i i live my landlord's a piece of shit i fucking hate him and just <laughs> re- send in you email us with your landlord story go <laughs> ahead do it it'll kill probably five like, or ten minutes 
What, what if there was a podcast? This was like, hi, this is a podcast where we just talk about how much you hate your landlord. Call it. You're on the air. Yeah, my landlord's a real piece of shit. You want to know what he did to me yesterday? He came inside and he was going to fix the fucking fan. And you know what he did? He just went up to a hammer, hit it twice, said, yeah, it's fucking fixed. Went over, kicked my son in the balls, and then slapped my wife across the face and said, that'll be 50 bucks. He fucked me. Yeah, I know how that goes, caller. Yeah, they, sometimes you just can't trust those landlords. You know what I mean? They get a little bit rapey. They get a little bit violent, you know? Make sure you know what to do, and you take care of that situation. You take that fucker out. Okay, next caller on there. It's just like the most weirdest show ever. <laughs> Jesus. You even stop, like, bothering, like, like editing it out. Like, oh, whatever. It's a morning. No one's really living. <laughs> but our fan bases, man, they're really fucking strong. They're very strong. They're very adamant. Yeah, because it's all well. Yeah, if you if you just get a hate train going, hate train. <laughs> well, to give you just the short and simple, my landlord's a piece of shit. I fucking hate him. I made jokes about him several times on the show. Video to Spencer just to see what he looks like, and I'm glad to know he didn't disappoint. Oh yeah, exactly. That's that's really what I felt like. I was like, oh dude, he looks just like a villain, villain out of a gangster flick. Yeah, but, like he looks kind of like he yeah you know, might have triad connections or some shit. I, don't know. I think so. I'm I'm really pretty sure it is. I, I like to write this guy's fucking autobiography with very little knowledge that I have of him. Oh, he's boring as fuck. It's boring as fuck. Dude. That's why I, I'm kind of like adding things to it. I imagine. I mean, it's one of those things. It's kind of hard to imagine in some cases. Like, is it kind of like, oh, like the, I, I, it's easy to imagine. Imagine him just kind of like sitting in the dark with a glass of like, you know, brandy, just like squinting, just hatefully off in the darkness, just, you know, swirling it, you know, maybe we're counting his money. It's easy to imagine that. Part of me wants to know, like, he gets home, like, oh, on just no black is on, you know, a part, part of me wants to know that happens <laughs> or it's or something like um, gets home and he's just like, oh, the A's lost. It's a sad day for Wong, you know, <laughs> or he just kind of gets home and he's got like this, like poor family. It's like, Papa, Papa, I'm so glad you're home. It's like, yes, my little Italian boy. I'm so <laughs> glad I rescued you from the trash can earlier. Boy, was it a rough day. The tenants. They all think that I'm evil. No matter what I try. I don't know why he sounds fucking Italian now. It's like, no matter what that I try, it's, it's just like, not working. <laughs> maybe Spencer knows something I don't. I don't know. Let him go. <laughs> He's just like, oh, things just aren't working out for me. You know, I, I, I try to do the best. I, I, I use what knowledge I've had over time. But nobody likes me no more. Especially you know? that Ryan Donagan. Yeah. He makes movies of me and talks about me on his podcast, but not in a fun way like you wish that he was. He's like, Papa, I'm so sad for you. You rescued me from the trash can, and now you give me life. You give me something to live for. He's like, I know. One day, one day we will live in some <laughs> dream world. For now, all you could do is go back to plumbing school. Hopefully you will stumble upon the Mushroom Kingdom one day. That is the goal. In America, that's the only thing you can look for. Just to become a plumber. It, it's the, the only goal that an Italian man can make. <laughs> Just like an Asian person. You've got two things you can do. You can either be a scummy landlord or you can be a martial arts instructor like Bruce Lee. <laughs> <laughs> or Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> he wasn't only an instructor, he was also a handyman. Yeah, but we all know that... Um, Evil Dr. Wong. I just don't think that's the case. I think I it think, is. No, no, I don't think he... He w- comes home and he's just like in this dim, lit, fucking like 
somewhat like rundown mansion. Like he has to have a mansion because he, you know, he's clearly taking money from everybody else so he can spend it on himself. But it's not really a great mansion. Maybe it was like a hundred years ago, but it's just so rundown now. But at least he can say he has a mansion. I see. I see him just come by. Like I see him come by, like a little Italian boy in the dumpster. Looks both ways. Like nobody is looking. Then comes out. She's like, "Hello!" Just throws gasoline. Thirsty? Okay. Just throws, throws a cigarette on him. into like, oh, it. That's better. You know, <laughs> one less poor person for Wong to look at. You know, that's what I'm guessing what it's like. One less Italian restaurant that will be built in 25 years. <laughs> <laughs> I hate raviolis. <laughs> And the worst is when you get the car. Oh boy, welcome to a very uh, inside jokey, a very, a very inside joke, very racist episode of Old Man Orange. <laughs> Old Man Orange, that's okay. There was, you know, if you watch Suicide Squad recently, they do have some stereotypical characters in that movie that <laughs> makes for, I don't know if you call it comedy or something. Um, so you saw, you saw Suicide Squad too? I mean, I don't, and I don't have to ask, but you yeah, saw it as well. Yeah, for for us not to see some movies, it's kind of it's weird not to. But you know, Suicide Squad, it was there. It was a must see. You know, of course, it's got Batman in it. So um, I'm just gonna get this part out of the way. Um, I'll say that I liked the movie, but I didn't like it as it's kind of like Batman v Superman for me. I just I didn't like it as much as I thought I would. I just liked it, you know, when I thought I'd walk out loving it. Yeah, that's about the same way I thought too. It was kind of one of those movies where like it was good, but it just wasn't like as good as it as it should have been. And I, don't, I hate to be that guy who's kind of like, well, you know, if I do it this way and that way, but it's one of those ones like, okay, there's already been one Suicide Squad movie already, Batman Assault on Arkham, and that's like the perfect Suicide Squad story right there. And then you get this one, and it's good. And yeah, it's kind of like Batman vs. Superman, except for I think Batman vs. Superman is much better than this one, but it's one of those movies where it's like, it's fun, it's good, but it's, it's like a three out of four star movie. It's just like, there's it's just missing that next level to make it amazing. And it's that thing where... I want to like it more because really what it is, it's that it's pretty much Guardians of the Galaxy, but with DC characters. But here's the thing. Guardians of the Galaxy is just the much better movie, just kind of like how Captain America 3 is pretty much the better movie over Batman v Superman. And I hate admitting that, but that's kind of how it is. I feel like uh, it's one of those things. This is what I heard. Well, first off, it's directed by David Ayer. And I've seen all the movies of David Ayer. End of Watch. I saw that a little while ago. That movie is awesome. Sabotage, Sabotage is awesome. Fury is awesome. Yeah, and Fury. Have you seen End of Watch? No, I haven't seen that one. What? That was one where just, just like you know, I'm sure it's decent, but I'll get around to it because it just didn't look that appealing to me. Watch End of Watch. It's it's fucking awesome. But anyway, yeah, it's well. Um, it's been kind of on my my list if I run across it. But I just but like it. so going into this movie. I thought that, you know, this would just be probably, okay, it's one of my f- favorite newer directors. And on top of that, I mean, he's been, he's actually been working in the industry for a while because he actually wrote Training Day. But mm-hmm. he's been working in the film industry for a while. And, um, I mean, it, so this is, is, is a director, though. He's fairly new. So I was just going into this movie expecting it to be just, like, full-on amazing. But it was just it was just good. And the thing is, the thing that sucks about it is the first act. Oh, so good. I was and I was loving the first act. It's when they actually get to... first twenty five minutes of the movie or so is just like I remember sitting there going like, "Oh, dude, this movie's gonna be fucking tits the whole way through. It is fucking awesome." And like when you get, to, it's like when they get to Midway City is where I'm not gonna say where it falls apart, but it's where it just kind of I, I don't know. It's one of those things where. A lot of people, I'll, I'll say some of the criticisms that I heard from it. I didn't look at any reviews just because I know it's one of those things where some of the things I'm going to agree with, but there's some things I, I feel like they're like, oh, they're, 
because I, I still like the movie, so I know there's gonna be some things like, oh, I just don't want to hear. It's got I kind of if there's a movie I like that I know critics hate, I either a rev- avoid the reviews or I just kind of wait to hear it later, just uh you know just out of curiosity. But at the same time, I find myself going like, oh, it wasn't that fucking bad. But um, the thing about it is. The criticism I hear a lot of people say is like, well, once they get there, what's the plot? I'm like, well, the plot's pretty simple. It's just they're on a mission. The mission is to get is just to get through, rescue this person and kill the bad guy. That's the mission. That's all you need. The thing that and so as far as like, oh, I didn't know what was going on. I think the, that was pretty simple. My thing was I just found it like they didn't really utilize the relationship characters. And when I say utilize the relationship, I don't like it had to be a thought-provoking character study no it could have just been they could have played off each other more and when they come together at the end it's almost very immediate it's like someone flipped the switch because the movie suddenly decided it had to have a heart at the end well here's the thing this is what this is really why i think the movie peters out sort of there towards the end and it's not that it's bad but it just it loses its kind of edge is the movie starts off almost with this great pace i mean they're doing the thing where they're showing each character. They're doing like a Guy Ritchie thing. You're like, boom, here you, know, here you go. Here's each character. Let's show Harley Quinn. Let's show Deadshot. Let's show Croc. Let's show all these guys. And that part's cool. And it's very like stylized and looks great. And then the downfall is, is once the mission finally starts up, it's like the pacing just <laughs> stops. And now it's just like, okay, the last like 30, 40 minutes of this movie is just them going to be walking through, in a sense, a boring looking setting. It's just this abandoned city, and they're going to fight pretty much the Enchantress's, like, creatures, which are just taking humans and turning them into, like, these monster-looking things. But they're kind of boring-looking, too. They really don't have any character or personality. It's just, like, these blob things with machine guns running around. And I think right there, it's just, when you have a movie that's kind of, like, changing all the time and going all kinds of different places, and then all of a sudden you stop from going places, and then you get kind of to this lull, it sort of brings it down. And this is what I kind of relate it to. Raiders of the Lost Ark. I always say oh, it's, it <laughs> that is quite weird, the but, comparison. Well, here's the thing, though. This is like why I I love Raiders of the Lost Ark, but it's kind of my least favorite of the trilogy. And here's the thing. This is what I think the movie is. It starts off so good. It's like at first, Indiana Jones, he's down there. You know, he's going to get the idol. There's the boulder and all that stuff. And then next thing you know, he's in fucking San Francisco, and he's you know a teacher, and you see all kind of like who he is, like as his day job. And then next thing you know, he's in Nepal, and there's this battle of Nazis, and there's snow and all kinds of stuff. And then he's in Cairo, and then he's in Cairo, and then he's in Cairo. And even though the stuff's changing. The setting's the same place now. It's almost like you had all this change going, and I almost think that Indiana Jones just needed to keep traveling, which you go to Last Crusade, and that's pretty much what he's doing the whole time. He's always in a different place, and I think that's why that movie's so good is because he's always going to the next place, going to the next place, going to the next place. And in, going back to Suicide Squad, I think that's almost what they needed. They almost needed like multiple missions inside this one movie. Like, okay, we got the characters. We told you who they were. Now we're kind of hiring them. Now, I think next what they should have almost did is did a bunch of small little missions to break up and then maybe have that last mission, but have it be shorter. But, okay, it's like, okay, we got Deadshot. Okay, you need to go assassinate this guy. He's about to take out, you know, this prime minister of some other country that we don't give a flying fuck about, but they're paying us good money. Something like that, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it just shows us maybe, like, five-minute cool scene of just, like, I know they've showed one before where you see, you know, assassinate somebody, but he's doing it for money. But now let's show Deadshot. Now he's forced to work for the government. Let's show him doing a couple things. Maybe Harley Quinn has to go on some mission too where she has to sneak into a building and kind of like interrogate somebody, whatnot. Maybe it kind of like not really screws up, but she, you know, she does something stupid like usual. And 
that involves in a scene. And then she'll, so on. Maybe show each character doing this to break it up instead of just having this scene where it's just like, okay, let's drop you guys down. 40 minutes, we got to go kill this enchantress. We really thought we could control this witch. We really did. Like, we, we all agreed that we could, could do this. And the second that we agreed to do this, it just fucked us over because she just got out and did whatever she pleased because she's got witch powers. I will say, I mean, look, I never really hated Enchantress. There is like a that book, uh, Just League Dark, that I read, and she was a fine villain in that. But, I mean, I just, it, Enchantress just wasn't that interesting. And plus, they have to crowbar. I'm wondering, because they had to do reshoots for this movie. I wonder if they said we want to lighten the movie up. I'm wondering if it was some of the small comedy or if it was they try to give it more heart in the reshoots. Because all the parts where so they try to be emotional really just felt tacked on. I mean, I'm not trying to be a dick. First of all, let me say, I did like this movie, and David Ayer is one of my favorite newer directors, but, mm-hmm. uh, it, like, the whole Rick Flag June Moon, like, relationship, maybe that happened in the comics, but in this movie... It did, it was, but... It was so just fucking... I don't know. It was just so cheesy in the movie to me. It just felt very melodramatic, because whenever the movie said, let's be dramatic for a minute... It was just very melodramatic and just kind of like, oh, let's get it away. Here we go. Okay. Well, I will say this is one of the first movies I've seen in a long time that literally has some fucking retarded dialogue. Like, bad. I mean, like, uh, like B-movie dialogue. Like, like, almost like some of these people aren't actors. And, I mean, it's kind of a weird thing because it's like you just, you just kind of mostly when you get to like that kind of like high-grade movie. Nowadays, it seems like that stuff doesn't almost really exist anymore unless you're actually watching like C- straight to DVD, straight to Netflix, you know, like really like low budget movies. seems like for the most part, that stuff's always pretty dialed in because they can always sort of fix it in post or what, you know, whatever needs to be done. They can't, it's not like in the old days where it's like, well, we fucking shot it. It costs a lot of money. It's staying in just because those beers and the back of twins are just going everywhere for those cuts. <laughs> fuck it. We're not going back. Can you imagine paying Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger again for that? No way. It's not going to fucking happen. <laughs> you know, but nowadays you could, you could cut all just, that stuff out. I just got three letters for you. B-E-T. Oh, my. That, that right there, I think, is the pick. I will say this. I was so excited to see Killer Croc in the movie. I was like, oh, dude, they're doing fucking Killer Croc. And then when they let him speak, th- this sounds almost like – this sounds bad, but this is what he was. He was literally a dumb black guy. He was the stupid black – he was the black guy that black people in the audience are probably like, oh, fuck. Are you kidding? Oh, Jesus Christ. That – that is who we are for the movie. I mean, I know we got Will Smith, but... I'm not entirely defending it. I'm not... not oh, God, I cut you off. Oh, I'm just saying, because he's just like... You get some of those lines. It's like B-E-T. It's just like... It seems like any, like... That's that's like the low-end section of the black people TV. That's almost like not good. You know, that's what they kind of... That's almost equivalent to like CMT for white people. <laughs> you know? It's, it's just the yeah. all-bad section. And... When you see Killer Croc, like, that's what I need in jail is B-E-T. And he's like, I'll ask you a question. And he talks all slow and retired. It's just like, I feel bad because it's like one of the ones like, I know Croc's always been kind of retarded, but now you made him a retarded black guy. And he had some other dumb... Oh, you could continue? Sorry, yeah, there's... The reception's really fucky today. But, um... Oh, fuck um, reception. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe Mr. Wong. Maybe that's what he's doing. Maybe Mr. Wong was fucking with the uh, monitor. He's like, oh, put no, my but... dick in the AT&T. Oh, yeah, that's what you like, Ryan Dunnigan. <laughs> it senses my evil. <laughs> my cold no, black but... dick. <laughs> well, the thing about, let me, I could sort of, or I'm not, I'm not by any way defending some of the stuff they did with Croc to that extent. He looked great, and I have no yeah, problem with great. Croc. 
I have no problem with Croc being kind of black because even in Brian Azzarello's Joker book, he portrayed him as a black guy, but he wasn't as dumb. He was well, more I mean. just he was a thug. He was he was a thug, but he wasn't dumb. He had some he and he, he you could see he wasn't the brains of the operation, but he didn't come across as a total fucking dumbass. In this movie, it was almost like you you almost could have him like almost tap dancing and like, you know, drinking grape soda. That's like it's like that close to the way they portray him in this movie. Exactly. It's one of those I'm things where he's not eating bananas and wearing a suit. You know, it, 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 <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, I thought mine was bad, but thank you for saving me, making me look better. No, but I mean, like, that's how I thought. And I'll, I'll say this. The, the one thing about this movie, because here's the other one that I, I know this was pretty offensive to all the Mexican people I talked. It's like Diablo. It was like that, that one bothered a lot of Mexican people because they're like, oh, great. Here we go. Here's another because. He I mean he was pretty badly stereotyped too because it's like the second they're all grabbing their costumes, everybody's getting something cool and everything like that. He's like, put this wife beater on and everything like that. He's got tattoos. And then there were, this is where one of the other really retarded lines were is when he's talking about like his family and everything like oh, that. And, the, and his wife's all like, yo, I'm going to put the kids to bed and then we can go and kick it. And it was just like probably every Mexican person in the theater. I remember Laura looked at me and she was just like, oh. <laughs> like it was just like. And, and then I'll say this. I thought that guy died. It's just like, oh, I don't know. Maybe that does look like some of your family members. No. <laughs> but it is that sort of thing. It's just like, this. I'm sorry. who's this Diablo character? Oh, he's just a Mexican gangbanger from like Los Angeles. It, it's almost, and I'll say this. If that character was written 30 years ago, that wouldn't have been really out of the ordinary. But maybe nowadays it's like, okay, maybe you should put just a little bit more into it. I know he's a criminal, but make him uh, he could be mexican but he can also be a different type of criminal he doesn't have to just be a gangbanger from la and yeah uh, i i kind of get what you're saying and i'm gonna be i'm not defending it as much but in that suicide squad uh new 52 he was in that and he was that he was just you know he was like a gangbanger but he was all passives i could here's the thing here's the thing i'm okay with him being a mexican gangbanger he used to be that just write him a little better. Because the whole thing is he's like putting that behind him. He's putting that behind him. And that's, and that's what I fine. Like. I, I like that part of it. Yeah. And my thing is just like whenever he talked, like, no, Holmes, we fine. Like every line was kind of like that. And I feel like that was a rewrite. Because after watching his other movies, after watching Sabotage and then watching End of Fury Watch. End of Watch. It's like he's great at doing like, you know, making movies set in L.A. And I'm not going to lie. End of watch. They're going against cartels. So you have some of that stuff, you know, gold plated machine guns, that kind of shit. Cocaine cowboy dealers. There's nothing wrong with that. But but I mean, it was it even that, though, it came across less cartoonish than Diablo did. And, you know, I'm fine with all the tattoos. I'm fine with him being part of a gang. It's just there's another way. I think there's you could be you could have been just a little bit more subtle with it when the dialogue, you know. Yeah, okay, and I'll say this. My my favorite part of the movie is Katana. I thought that is the coolest part of the movie, and it's like, no matter what, all her stuff was fantastic, but I will say, it's like when I kind of started thinking about the other characters being super badly stereotypical, I'm like, well, even though I like Katana a lot, she's almost kind of like that, too. I mean, she's Japanese. She only speaks in Japanese, though people seem to understand her like that old-fashioned I, I think thing. they could utilize that more. I really think it would have been funny if they did the... 
uh, Ocean's Eleven thing where she be talking in Japanese, everybody understands her, and they have full on arguments. And like, no, we're not doing that. Like, he you know, she's all talking real quick in Japanese. Like, no, Katana, that's not happening. I think, I think that would have been funny if they did. Like, I know it's pulling right out of Ocean's Eleven, but I think yeah, that but that, but that, that's kind of. I, I like that kind of humor. And now, here's the thing: I feel that Katana, she's she's actually technically a stereotype. Because I mean, look at. She's named after a fucking Japanese sword. Now, I know that's how the character's always been and stuff like that. And she's even got the Japanese flag on her, like, mask and everything like that. But she looks really cool. And I'm gonna, it sounds weird, but I feel like that stereotype almost works better. It doesn't feel nearly as offensive as maybe Killer Croc or <laughs> Diablo. And I don't know. I just, the way that they did Katana, you know what it kind of reminded me of? Okay, you know how in the last X-Men movie, how Psylocke kind of, she looked just like Psylocke, even though nobody else really looked identical to their characters as much. Yeah. Katana felt like that too. Like she was like almost like ripped out of the comic book. Well, actually I'll say this. I think Deadshot actually looked just as ripped out of the comic book as anybody else too. Mm -hmm. But um, like those two characters felt like, like they really had that costume dialed in. And I'll say this. I think Will Smith, I actually liked him a lot. He did have a couple retarded lines in there. Like, towards the end where he's like, oh, Entrantress, you were just pure evil, or whatever the heck he says. It was just like... That was very Fresh Prince, or a very, like, you know, like... like yeah, a, like, like Jay from, ML, from MIB. Yeah, just like, woo! Like, yeah. it, it was close to that. But I think the thing about it was just the fact that it's like, okay, you guys are all bad, and now it's like, what? Like, this lady's just worse than everybody else, you know? I mean, and I know that Deadshot's always kind of been written where he's not really, like, the worst guy out there. He's just... He does it like a job, almost like... He's almost set up like a Flash villain, but he happens just to be more leaning towards Batman and Green Arrow and things like that. But he, he has kind of like, like a Flash villain when you mention it. Like he's not he's not killing people because it's like, yeah, I love fucking killing people. I love watching them die. It's more like, well, this pays really good and makes my daughter go to school. And then the other the only other line that kind of bothered me that like he had, which I just when I see these lines nowadays, they just feel like they're dated. They like in the nineties that's one thing, but nowadays it's kinda like, okay, that's not really I don't mean to say like PC, but it's like one of the other things like he's arguing with like um uh, what's his name? The main like Rick Flag. Yeah, Rick Flag. He's all like, he's like, make sure my daughter she goes to like one of them whack schools. You know what I mean? Like, I, don't give me like I want one of those. I want like, one of your kind of schools. And it's just like okay, th- that kind of stuff. I feel like in the nineties that was kind of okay. Nowadays, it's like, dude, everybody's pretty darn equal nowadays. I mean, I, you can't you can't really argue those ones. And I feel like you see Kevin Hart doing it and stuff like that. Like, oh man, just because I'm a black man and I'm sure, look at me. It's just kind of like. I mean, I, I mean, I don't think you just look at the news. I don't think things are really that equal at the point. I mean, way more than it was like say forty years ago. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It's like I mean, I've come to kind of close. I've I've kind of been like doing this thing where I've just watched like different businesses and things like that. And you go, oh, there's really like no white people that work in that section anymore. They're like literally, there's like there's literally the token white guy now. It's like there's your singular white person, so you can say that you're not racist. I, but I mean, like, you look at the stuff with all the cops and all that. Well, and that's I, I know mean, that's, that always, hap- that's that's going to be a, that's almost equivalent to like I guess like gang wars between like government and you know just people on the street. And but yeah, that's still there. But there's some situations where it's not even like there's a, there's multiple situations. It seems to happen like once a month where it's an unarmed guy, whether he was. I mean, now it's getting really fucking topical, but whether it's like whether it's one guy who is just talking shit to the cops and gets shot, or it's a guy who is just like, no, 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 this guy like he was unarmed, he was like a, he was a I think a physical therapist on the ground, like I'm a physical therapist, my hands are on the ground, this guy is one of my patients, he escaped, he's from a mental hospital, I was trying to get him back, the guy still got shot, and I know that's not every cop. 
Yeah, and that, and that just that's more like I consider that it's like an individual case. It's kind of like, yeah, there's there's that dick cop right there, but that's not going to be. Oh, I mean, I'm not sure about that kind of stuff. I'm based on like I'm just looking around the world now. It's almost getting to the point where, you know, it's you know, anybody can get anything in a sense they want. They can get any job they want. They can do anything they want. Like, and for the most part, other than you know your ten, there's always going to be that ten percent of bad you know, horrible people, doesn't matter which race they're from, there's just going to be always going to be those racists, always going to be those haters, always going to be, no matter what, there's always going to be something bad like that. But I think for the other 90%, most people are all pretty cool with each other. You know, as I said, you can get any job you want, you can do anything you want, nobody's getting held back really anymore. I mean, I kind of wish that with this presidential candidate, I wish there was actually some color in it. It just seems like we got pasty white people up there, and that just doesn't mm-hmm. feel like it looks that good. But yeah. other than Especially that, though... One of them's them orange. Orange, technically. One of them's yeah, not really white. Not, I guess that's right. One of them's not really white. He's become orange. So one I guess of them's a walking it, grease fire. So. So, if you, so if you are the orange people, then maybe you cut your color. But still, it's one of those ones I guess kind of go like, I'm like, I, I'd love to have an Asian guy or an Indian guy or a Mexican guy. Like, that should be like, that's what, that's what I kind of want to vote for here. I, my goal in life is before I die, I want to be able to say like, hey, we voted in every type of person <laughs> just so it's all equal by the end. That'd be cool. Let's get it all out in the next presidential election. Let's have it be a Asian lesbian. Exactly. Why not? I'm all yeah, down. Just get, just get that out of the way. Like, you know, just get the, just, let's get, not, not out of the way, like, let's get it done with, but let's get it, like, rather than bait <laughs> steps. Just, not like, so like the Republican, yeah. we just got to get it out of our system. <laughs> yeah. Rather than baby step it, like, okay, we had a, we had a half white, half black guy. Now we have, well, not, not Bernie Moore, it seems, but we like, we, now we might have a woman president's. For a minute, it seemed like we might have a Jewish president. Now it's just like, well, we just got like three or four of them done in one clean swipe. Like yes. gay, Asian, you know, all this stuff at once or something like that. Gay, Asian woman, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> Going back to um, Suicide Squad with its kind of stereotypes and whatnot. I can't remember where I left off with. But okay, for the most part, though, other than Will Smith having a couple of retarded lines, though, like I actually thought he was a pretty good dead shot. I liked it. And I liked how his costume pretty much looked just like Deadshot's. He even wore the white mask for a bit. That, w- that was all cool. And in fact, his character is probably one of the better ones, you know? Yeah. And sadly enough, actually, the other character that was probably my favorite one other than Katana, but I didn't think was utilized nearly enough, was Captain Boomerang. Cap- yeah. Captain- that guy was so good. And, like, he really he, – he was, like, the fifth wheel of the movie in a sense. I, I mean, maybe him, him and Croc were probably the fifth wheels, but – Well, he had some really funny lines, and he was he was almost kind of like – they're trying to make him the Deadpool of the group and how he would actually, he would say, it wasn't like he, he doesn't, because a lot of people were saying that the care only like three or four characters really have an arc. Other characters are just there for the scenery, which I get. And I think that's fine with in some mm-hmm. situations, but Boomerang, the thing is he was funny and he was a badass, and he was just, just the small things about him, just the small little details. Like, there's a part, like, it sounds like we hate the movie. I liked it. I just liked yeah. it. The thing is, I wanted to love it. And exactly. There's a part, like, like I, I will say, there's a part in the movie, it's probably, because all my complaints, they kind of boil up to out of this two-hour and, like, five-minute movie, it boils up to probably 10, 15 minutes. And there's still a lot of other movie there to enjoy. But it's just those 10 or 15 minutes that come together that bother me really fucking stand out. And that's a a scene that I really liked a lot with Captain Boomerang was they got these bombs in their necks. And the whole point of having the bomb in their neck is so that if any of the Suicide Squad members decide to fucking, like, leave, you know, try to kill the good guys, 
screw up, you know, do pretty much go off course, they can just blow their heads off. In the very beginning, they even I feel bad because like I think it's, it's once again it's Captain Boomerang. He sets up uh, what's that guy's name? Slipknot. Yeah, Slipknot. He sets up. He's like, dude, okay, we're gonna get out of here, right? Yeah, sounds good. Okay, so I got a fucking plan and everything like that. So you know, when I give the signal, let's go for it. And then all of a sudden, like you know, they go about a couple more steps, and he gives the signal, and they start fighting a couple of the guys and punching them out. And then fucking Slipknot like Batman's out of there. With a fucking grappling gun, and all of a sudden he gets his head blown off, and then you see Captain Boomerang like, whoop, whoop, whoop. I don't know what was going on there. <laughs> but later on, like one of the lines I, I, or lines, one of the scenes I really liked is they finally get like they get to this part where they're like, okay, you know, we're, we're working as a team and everything like that, and then Amanda Waller's like, I'm gonna fucking disable all these bombs inside your neck and everything like that. The oh, sec- that was Rick Flag. Oh yeah, Rick Flag does it. He's like, okay, he disables them all. Fucking right when he knows that fucking cat boomerang just gets up and walks out. <laughs> like, I don't give a fuck anymore. <laughs> no more bonding. But I, I, yeah. That character was so good, but I just think he was like, I, I almost felt like he almost needed to be like top three main characters. Like, he was that good. Maybe in the sequel we might get that. Maybe. And I mean, I, I will say this. I mean, obviously a lot of people kind of go, Captain Boomerang. And he, he's never been like a big character, but I've always had this like love for Captain Boomerang. I don't know what it is. It's just... Something about that guy to me just seems cool. And I like how just kind of how grungy and how dirty he sort of is. And the fact that he almost like he knows he's a B villain, but he like fucking revels in that. I think it's also because the thing is, you know, he is very from what I've seen. There's multiple versions of him. Um, well, the version from the Justice League cartoon, a lot of way he was in the uh, in the comics as well. You know, he's good at what he is. He's a lot of times kind of clean-shaven, but he is kind of like the devil make, uh, devil make care kind of personality. He just kind of dives in there, doesn't really think about it, just kind of goes for it. Other versions of him, he's been like, you know, washed up, haggard, beer belly, having trouble getting jobs. And this is kind of like the middle ground of him. And I think that works a lot, especially because he comes across kind of like a soccer hooligan. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I and I think that's just... That character right there, and you know, I guess you could maybe say he's slightly Australian stereotypical, but I don't really think so enough. It's like Captain Boomerang. Yeah, I mean, I guess that part kind of makes it there. But you know, that to me is kind of like I call that old timey sort of superhero stuff, where it's just like, oh, well, he's from Australia. Well, what do people in Australia use for weapons? Well, they would use a boomerang, and it's just kind of just a katana. Well, she's from Japan. Well, what's she gonna be? Well, she's gonna be like a ninja, you know, or a samurai ninja. You know, that's just how you would write those characters. And I think that's kind of fine. That's not really what makes a character stereotypical. It's more just like the way, like, when they just start having kind of dumb lines and everything like that. And then, um, well, I guess we've, we've kind of led through mostly all the characters except for Harley Quinn there, who's kind of... I'll say this. I've noticed from talking to a lot of people, a lot of people either really liked the Joker the way he was or didn't care for him at all. And me personally, I actually liked the Jared Leto Joker. I thought that was kind of a cool take on it. I thought it was different, yet still felt like I was watching the Joker. I didn't feel like it was watching something way too radical or something like that, where they were going like completely left field, almost to the point where you're like, I don't even recognize the character anymore. I just thought it was just like, okay, you know, the Joker's always pretty much been a gangster, no matter what. He's always mostly been like a 30s style gangster. So I think this idea of making him like, well, make him like a gangster of right now, it's like, okay, he would have a lot of like gold and chains and everything like that and tattoos. And I think. That, I think that worked actually pretty well for the movie. And I know the kind of the whole theme is tattoos, which I think is a very David Ayer thing anyways, because you look at Sabotage and they all got tattoos in that one. Mm-hmm. And they all well, got... Do they have tattoos in that? Or is there a lot of guys with tattoos in, uh, I would say, Out of Watch, but I know that's not in, what it's called. In End, End of, of Watch? watch. Yeah. End of <laughs> out watch. of Watch. 
Out of watch. <laughs> out of watch. No, they, they have a lot of tattoos in that. I will say this, for being the Joker, he could have told a joke. That's kind of true. He was more just like kind of rapey more than he was jokey. He was more, I don't know. My thing is, I think he could. He, all right, well, first off, let me say Enchantress. I don't think she should have been the villain. I I mean, maybe he, I think it should have been. I know that I'm saying this because Joker is one of my favorite villains, but I really think that Joker could have been the main villain or something more than just I'm here for Harley Quinn. Oh, that didn't pan out. Oh, I'm here at the very end. Look at that. I, I will think, say this. I want right, right as you say that, I want to just kind of dive in there. I think I will. The one thing I did like about that, that when the Entrenchers was the villain, is because in the trailers they made it out that she was one of the team member or team members. So that's how I felt she was going to be the whole time. I did I did not expect her just to turn tail right at the very beginning and do her own thing. And I really thought the Joker was going to be the main villain. So I will say, just to the trailers credit, I'm kind of glad that it went the other way around. Just because that was almost like, oh, it was a surprise. I felt if. Let's just say Enchantress was just one of the Suicide Squad members, and the Joker just happened to be the villain at the very end. Even though that might actually end up being cooler, but as far as from the trailer standpoint, that might have been like, ah, well, that's kind of like Batman v Superman. I guess we're going to see it coming, as always. Well, I'll say that I kind of knew Enchantress. Here's the thing. I never saw... I I had a feeling Enchantress was either going to be the villain or she was going to screw them over somehow, because... Whenever I saw like things running around attacking people, it always looked supernatural. And I'm like, well, it's probably connected to Enchantress in some way. And then they had um whenever they showed like profiles of the whole team walking, Enchantress was never with them. I guess so, that makes sense there. So So I kind of pieced together that either she was part of the movie, but if she was the I don't know, I wasn't sure if she was the main villain, but she I assumed it was something like Joker. I didn't know the whole heart thing. But I assume Joker had some leverage on her or had some kind of mystic weapon and was going to use that to attack the city. I thought Joker was attacking the city and he was he was like using some weapon. And then Enchantress was just going to be Miss Exposition or Mm -hmm. she was the villain. I knew it was going to be something like that. Well, I I did kind of think that Joker was going to come back around in the end and he would be somehow tied into it, which that doesn't really happen. But. Because, I mean, I'm wrong. I mean, um, he, I don't think Jared Leto did a horrible job. A lot of people say he did a horrible job. It's just he was more just a creepy, scary gangster. And he had Joker qualities, but he didn't really tell the jokes. The thing I like about Joker is he's a performer and he is, he thinks he's a performer way ahead of his time and everyone else is too stupid to get the, get the joke or get the art. That, that's exactly. the way I think. And in this, yeah, it's he's almost like he needs like, a little bit of puns just to kind of go through the movie and just almost like, gags and stuff like that i think that's sort of what it's missing you know with him and and the part with where he says like it was the part they showed in the trailer she's like no i'm not gonna kill you i'm just gonna hurt you really really bad that part that is the joker that is that is pure joker and that actually so i think he can be a good joker i just don't think this movie gave him a lot of opportunities to be a good joker that's all it is because he was in and out of there um but, you know, it's, the movie didn't really, like I said, I, I still like the movie. I'm probably going to end up getting it on Blu-ray, but I just didn't. Oh, yeah, I'll buy it day one. It's DC, so. But the thing is, I just feel like what I, this, this is my guess. They were trying to kind of go Guardians of the Galaxy, which that could work, but they they try to make it too heartfelt and too sentimental at the end and like just flipping a switch because it was literally just. Like a bar scene is what made them all friends. But it was also very Hallmarkish. It was also very just kind of like, look, we could have done this the whole movie, but let's all wrap it up right now. Look, 
we're all ugly on the inside, except him. He's ugly on the outside too. Ha ha ha. Whatever. And which that was another kind of retarded line too, because then he was like, "Oh, I'm pretty on the outside." Whatever he said, and that I'm line beautiful, was retarded. Shorty or whatever. And I mean, then I'm, she's like, "You are beautiful." It's like fucking Harley Quinn when you just said the other thing the other way around. It's just like, I mean, I know it's like maybe some people are like, "Well, she's retarded. She can say whatever she wants," but it was just like an instant change, like almost like. It, almost like she got bullied into, like, what to tell him next. Like, woman, you'll get the back of my hand. Like, that kind of shit. Like, oh, we don't even get that stereotypical. Jesus fucking Christ. He just goes over and just starts beating him. Like, yeah, that's what you like, white girl. That's what you like. <laughs> <laughs> I will say one of the things I did like, even though, like, Harley Quinn, I'm just so iffy about Harley Quinn anymore. Like, I love Paul Denny's Harley Quinn. And that's almost like why I say it. Like, it's a character that I really like a lot. But the way that Harley Quinn's kind of been portrayed in about the last 10 years... I'm not really a big fan of. I think when she went from kind of being quirky and kind of ditzy and fun to being kind of like hookery and slutty, I think that's sort of where it started to lose me out of the Harley Quinn thing. And I'll say in this movie, she's kind of more on the hookery and slutty thing. But all the scenes with her and the Joker together, I actually really liked all that stuff a lot. I thought that was cool. And it was kind of neat to really see this Joker-Harley Quinn relationship. And I liked how almost like the Joker actually really did love her. It wasn't almost like one of those ones where it's just like, ah, she just fucking hangs around here and I got to put up with her shit. It was more like there was like a legitimate love. And I thought that was actually kind of neat. That apparently made Paul Dini cry, I heard somewhere. Huh. See, I, I like that. In a good way. In a good way. Like, he was like, he's like, oh my god, he actually loves her. That's actually a very interesting thing. And it's this weird, fucked up relationship. And I think it's kind of interesting when he has her go into the acid that they actually try and make it this really romantic weird, scene. Be- like, he jumps romantic- into. Yeah, yeah. Not And it's, and it's, they also make it a little less, um, they make it a little less like he's totally manipulating her. They present it like, oh, she's actually, she kind of wants it because she willingly, because he says, he says, are you going to kill me, Mr. J? He's just like, no, I'm just going to hurt you. He says, well, I can take it. So it's like, oh, shit. And then on top of that, uh, she he doesn't push her into the acid. She willingly falls back after he asks. It's easy to die for someone. It's harder to live for someone. Then she just looks at him and falls back. So it's like, OK, so it's all her choice. And it's not as much of, of him just mind controlling someone. Yeah, exactly. But I, I thought that was probably the strongest parts of the movie were sort of like their relationship scenes. Like almost like there was more of that in the movie. It's almost like was kind of, I don't know, I thought that was the strongest part. And then when Harley Quinn was kind of by herself, then she had kind of more of her kind of like retarded like sluttiness. Like here's the it, only thing. It's kind of like the, it's it's sort of been the new thing with Harley Quinn. I don't know. Maybe that's just like old man, like, like oh, times have changed. She can't always be just, you know, your fun ditzy girl anymore. It's like she's got to be a hooker. I feel like, I don't know, the only thing about Harley Quinn, I mean, personality-wise, I was fine with her. I just, I didn't like the outfit that much. That's all it is. I, I think it's the outfit. the outfit. I mean, I think Margot Robbie, she was, I think there could have been a better choice for Harley Quinn. I mean, I, I, I always say that. I feel like, I don't know if she was just chosen as like, oh, she was hot in Wolf of Wall Street. Put her in there. Like, because it's like, you know, this, this sounds like really nitpicky, but like, her accent's not really like Harley Quinn's one. It feels more New, New Jersey-ish and everything like that. I mean, she's doing that thing that she pretty much did in Wolf of Wall Street, which it's like, okay, it's like, but I think you could almost got somebody else to kind of dial that in more. Like, I'll say this. Here's somebody who's about the around that similar age range that I thought actually, and it sounds kind of like a weird choice, but I think what maybe work well is someone like, um, uh, what's her name that played Gwen Stacy? Uh, Emma Stone. Oh, Emma Stone. Oh, my God. Yeah. I think she, because what she would have captured is the thing about Margot Robbie, she, in a sense, from playing sluts in other movies, that's kind of how she c- comes 
Well, that's I think that's why people think, oh, that's a perfect Harley Quinn. But if you like old school Harley Quinn, Paul Denny Harley Quinn, I think you want somebody who's a little bit more fun. And I'm thinking like, dude, Emma Stone, like when you look at her as Gwen Stacy, I'm like, dude, just picture her like that. But now doing like kind of a little bit crazy with the mm-hmm. accent and everything like that. I mean, ideally, I would have loved Tara Strong. But since people hate women over 40, that's never going to work anymore. So can't have that. But she, Tara Strong, it's like, dude, she could have fucking done it. And she's not like she's never done live action before anyways. And like, there you go. That is Harley Quinn. But um, I, I would have uh, just because I know Tara Strong, they wouldn't do it. But because um, she's over I, 40, just like <laughs> just like they're not going to make Wonder Woman over 40 either. But they'll make Batman over 40. They'll make Iron Man over 40. Yeah, it's Sorry, just, those are always those things that bother me. It's just I hate how they like, like for some reason, females aren't like allowed to be over 30 years old, mostly in movies, unless they're playing like mothers and grandmothers. There's a fantastic I'll get to the main joke, main main point in a second. But there's a fantastic joke in The Simpsons. They're watching like spring break or something. And there's some girl like announcer. She's like, hi, Tammy here. Now, welcome back to MTV and happy birthday to me. I just turned 30. Then two guys like two buff guys, sunglasses, grab like, no. No, no, they blow her off. And then some younger girl hops in. Hey, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's literally how life is lots of times. So. <laughs> so I just turned 30. No, no, no. I'm just pulling her away. I don't know. That, I, I, just... I, I literally feel that's how movies are mostly with like a lot of characters. Because, you know, you almost never see them choose any older girls for any of these superhero characters. And the, the guy could be fucking, the guy could be 80 years old and they would still stick him with like a 30 year or 25 year old girl. Probably. You know, yeah, almost, like, it is. almost like that 007 philosophy. That's what made, I think what was, which bond movie was it where you had like the girl that was actually, it was, it was only one of the girls, but you know, still she was like 50 or something like that in it. Oh, wasn't that the newer one where it, it, it was, made, it was one of the last two. I can't remember. It was either. It, I think it was, it was, um, Spectre, because was there Spectre? was yeah, I was gonna say it, it was made either a big Spectre or it was um... he was with he he like it was a very awkward scene with him and that one chick and she was like fifty says you just killed my husband yeah and I'm quoting you against the wall and you're gonna fucking want it you know <laughs> it was like kind of a weird conversation <laughs> but it was like oh well at least it's someone over fifty at least it's someone who's like fifty it's not like you know like some like twenty two year old girl who's just like very vulnerable <laughs> and just it sounds so sexist when I put it that way but I mean but it's, it's kind of like, true it's not After some a like while. It's not like some like grieving twenty-two year old being cornered by like a guy in his like fifties going like what's up, hon? What's going on? He just died and that's fucked up, you know. You like the gray bush? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. So it, there is those kind of things like that. But I mean for the I mean I'll say Marvel Robbie, I don't think she did a horrible job. I just I just don't think she's I, I know I know what kind of Harley Quinn they're going for, and I guess for that Harley Quinn that works, and maybe just because I like classic Harley Quinn, maybe I kinda go like I, Maybe one of these days we'll get back to that point where we don't, you know, we don't have to have her. I think that's why I've kind of like anything Harley Quinn. It's like, no, I don't want that. Get that away from me. <laughs> I will say someone that I would I would like to see was um, I know it will never happen, but uh, Zoe Deschanel. That'd be an interesting choice, too, I think. She's not blonde, but She's not I mean, blonde. But there, there's Emma Robert or Emma Roberts, Emma Stone. But um, no, I, I still think that could work, too. I think that would work as a good one. You know, but, it's like it's somebody like if you did like a Harley Quinn story, like let's just say if Harley Quinn was in like Batman be or not Batman Beyond, Batman Begins, you could have mm-hmm. literally used like um, Reese Witherspoon. I think she would have done a good one back in the day. Oh, yeah, she would have done a good job. Thing is, Reese Witherspoon is a pretty good actress. She just does a lot of like dumb romantic comedies, but she is good, though. Yeah, um, technically, you could still do it in this day and age. But once again, nobody's going to want a 40 year old. Who knows if, if Justice League, if Wonder Woman and Justice League 
both come out with bad responses, they're probably just going to reboot it again. Sadly that's enough, a- which I, I'm kind of bummed because it's like you look at that Wonder Woman trailer and it's like, that trailer looks so badass. I, here, I, I mean, I know I said this about Suicide Squad, but I, I think that, I mean, I do have high hopes for both Wonder Woman and Batman v Superman because this movie was made and then they did reshoots. And something I heard was originally it was going to be rated R, but then just due to people saying Batman v Superman was too dark, they lightened it up with reshoots. And I don't think a lot of that humor, because I already imagined the movie was pretty humor-filled. I don't imagine a lot of the small, maybe some of the smaller lines, but I could see stuff like that scene in the bar where they all magically become friends pretty immediately. Mm-hmm. I could see that being something that was tacked on there to give it more of a heart, more of Guardians of the Galaxy. Because the thing is, Guardians of the Galaxy, I think that sometimes people think they got to spell it out for you, where they don't. And things about Guardians of the Galaxy, there is a lot of like heartfelt moments in that movie, Mm-hmm. But the best parts of the movie that are trying to be heartfelt are the parts where they say, where they don't flat out say, hey, we're family. It's the parts where it gives you enough credit to figure out what's going on. There's the part where Rocket, you see he's emotionally distraught. He's drunk. He's at the he's bar. Like, he's like, he called me little. He called me a freak. He's pointing a gun. He's like drunk. He's kind of like, you can see he's on the verge of tears. And mm-hmm. he's just like, dude, just put up with it for another day or two. And we'll get through it. And he just like drops the gun and just like, you know, and it's not like, that's not really, Hey, we're family, but it's one of those things. All right. We see that he is pretty disturbed and then he just toughs it out for a little while longer. And that's just one of those things where that kind of gets across so much better than being kind of like, I killed my whole family. I say, I just burnt them away. And then just like, no, like holding, like, and then she turns to ash or whatever. Yeah. It's weird how this movie is, and I know David Ayer tried to say, like, no, 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 there was no reshoots at all, and, like, so I don't know what the, I don't know if he's just saying that just he's so He's got to say that. He has to say that. So it's just one of those ones, but it does have this weird thing where maybe this movie will come out, <laughs> once again, maybe, maybe they'll put an extra half an hour in this movie when it comes out on Blu-ray and it'll fix everything. It makes everything. a lot more sense. Because I would say the more I've watched Batman v Superman, the more I've liked it. Yeah. I problems with it but i've definitely liked the movie a lot more since i watched it a, a couple times there's certain things that are always going to bother me but overall i like that movie yeah exactly i i think i realistically think with the extended cut of batman v superman i think it's like a 3.5 out of 4 and it's just there's those handful of things that you know you either can't defend or something like that like the kind of the batman killing but other than that and some other things it's just like for the most part it's a really enjoyable movie and if you just take it as a standalone movie and just kind of minus those things out I, I think it's pretty darn good. Where this one is kind of like one of those movies where it does have... It's it's just one of those ones, and I know I'm always... Cons- I'm comparing all these things to DCU, and it's that thing where, really, I'm thinking about it, it's like, dude, you know what you guys should just do? And I know that like they don't like to do this because they're still fucking like, class-based systems in fucking Hollywood and all that stuff, but it's like, dude, just get Sam Liu. Get Sam Liu in there to direct it. Get, you know, Paul Denny. Shea Olivia. Yeah, Jay Olivia, you know, get any of, yeah, pretty much get any of those director guys from the DC animation movies and like let, let those guys actually just full on make it. And here's the thing, they obviously know how to make really good movies. You know, just but then they get that thing, <coughs> those guys are just animation. They're they're pretty much like children of pencils. You know, children of crayons is what they are. And it's that <laughs> it's that kind of I think if they can get past that mentality, it's just like, dude, DC you have, or Warner Brothers, you have this amazing team of guys and gals fucking just sitting in your offices, turning out hit after hit. I mean, and 
the 30 movies they've made in about the last, what is it, eight years, mm-hmm. they pretty much have not had a flop at all. Even like the ones that's probably like your least favorite of the bunch is still, you know, probably better than Suicide Squad. You know, it's like that's how good of a turnout they have. And, you know, and that's like 30 fucking films. So it's like, dude, get these guys together. Get Bruce Tim, Get all those guys and just have them make your live action movie. And I think you would have the most amazing picture you can possibly have. But it's that thing. It's that it's that class based system that I think that's almost like what's holding them down. Because in a sense, you're, they still are. St- that's the only kind of downfall to like it's they're in that still that Batman Begins world. And here's the thing. Batman, the Dark Knight trilogy. It's great for what it is. It's great. And it's a big stepping stone as far as superhero movies go. But it's almost like we need to evolve past that because that's that's, you know, almost like two steps back by nowadays. And the thing is, we still have the same guys that that were working on that. Those movies still working on these ones. And I think that's almost kind of like the wrong choices because these are all guys that like they they like comic books and things like that. But it's not their passion. Well, here's a let me say this. But yeah, this movie ain't perfect, but I still think this movie as well as Batman v Superman had some steps forward. A lot of people say, no, it didn't. But in some ways, this movie did have some steps forward. And I think what it did is, well, first off, let's go with Batman v Superman. And this is like the the average moviegoer. This isn't jack shit. This is just to the comic book fan. You could have Batman walk right through the Batcave. And in the Batcave, there is a old Robin suit Ha ha, that's spray, spray painted. Ha ha, jokes on you, Batman. And that right there, that is a total reference to Jason Todd and saying the reason why he works alone. So that right there is saying something like, wait, fucking Robin died? You know, the, 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 and plus, we, they, they had parademons for a minute. Parademons, that's something like, wait, when, you know, you, you could say they put them, put, put in there better. But the fact you had parademons... Well, I still thought they looked pretty cool in the movie, too. I'm not complaining with that. Well, people were complaining that that scene was totally out of context. We don't know how it got there. Hopefully they explain in Justice League. But I think the fact that they actually had those is saying something. They're willing to take a chance on some of this weirder, more obscure in-house... You know, like in the... in like uh, I said in-house, but what I meant to say, I guess something kind of like within the... Within like the fan base of shit like only stuff fans really know about and they're willing to well, take a chance on that i'll say this, this movie you go into, that too before you go on any farther i like in a sense you know i think what dc is doing with this part though is they're kind of piecing in little things because even in suicide squad so let's just say somebody didn't understand that why is robin dead there's that there's that glimpse of that where they have when they're showing harley quinn's story that she, she was tied in with the with robin's death it goes by really quickly but it shows that so it's like it's leading up to like where i think we'll, we'll finally get a flashback to what happened there and I think that for the audience that doesn't know anything, they'd be like, "Oh fuck, Harley Quinn might have killed her, killed the Joe, or killed Robin." Like, oh, and then they'll just keep adding these pieces along. And I think that will be kind of cool. I just think people are kind of dumb and retarded, like usual, and they see something like, ah, "I don't get it." Just be like, "Yeah," because you know what? There's going to be more movies, and it's going to give you more and more little pieces along the way. You know what I mean? Like, but some people need that handholding. You know, it, there's it's those kind of people that when you're watching a movie with them, and all they do is they sit there and keep asking you questions about what's happening, and all you have to do is look at them and go. I am just as far as long in this movie as you are. I have no idea what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. But some people, they, they want those answers right here and there. And it's just that attitude going into art is pretty much retarded. No, I get you. But I guess sometimes it's just that thing of um, I think they could have got that flashback or that, that glimpse forward 
uh, the whole apocalypse thing. I mean, look, I'm glad the apocalypse thing was in Batman v Superman because I just thought that was a cool scene. A lot of people hate yeah, it. Knows, I, yeah. I, I thought that was cool. I liked seeing like you know apocalypse. It, it was kind of like that Grant Morrison story. Um, the Damien Rock, one. The no, the Rock of Ages one, where I guess kind of like the Damien one, but kind of the Rock of Ages one where the world was taken over by apocalypse and Batman was like locked up for like 30 years or something. I mean, that wasn't that exactly, but just this idea of just kind of like this dark, what the DC world would be if apocalypse Apocalypse took it over. Yeah. And you know, you have the Omega symbol engraved into like the Harbor between, um, between Gotham and, uh, Metropolis. Not just, just really cool imagery. Maybe it couldn't put in there better. But a lot of the thing is, I guess sometimes a lot of people have tr- trouble with this. Is like, well, we'll explain the next movie. It's like, well, what if the next movie doesn't happen for whatever reason? And that was my problem with Amazing Spider-Man Two. We're doing per- so much- that, 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 there's a there's an example because I bet you I always will say this. I bet you Amazing Spider-Man Three would have been like the most perfect Spider-Man movie, but due to stupid fucking nerds out there that need to get their ass whooped, that's not gonna fucking happen. So fuck those nerds and fuck you if you don't like Amazing Spider-Man Two. Well, not really that, but still that idea that. People going out and bitching about it is that's why we don't get cool shit because of people like you. So because people like me, <laughs> no, not people like you. I'm saying that to like the world. You know what I mean? Because people it's out there, your problem. Just like an Uncle Sam picture, just like you and Uncle Sam's clothing. That's your problem. We're not getting the Sinister Six movie. Exactly. It's almost <laughs> ones like I'm not saying that Amazing Spider-Man Two is this like amazing movie, but it's not a bad movie. It's still fun and enjoyable. But what it, I think what it was leading to was going to be something that would have been full on amazing. You know, I'll say this. I, I like the new Spider-Man kid that comes out. You know, that, that new guy's going to be probably pretty sweet in his movie. But, you know, we'll see. I, I wouldn't mind seeing at least that Garfield kid one more time. Somebody, people just sometimes, like, jump the fucking gun on that shit, though. Because I remember they're just like, I mean, I, I know that the internet isn't every fan. I know every, not the comments, it doesn't speak for every fan. But it's like, who are we getting for the new Spider-Man? Is, is it going to be a black guy? Is it going to be an Asian guy? I'm like, I mean, you know, don't, let's not close our doors to that. That's a possibility. It's another white kid? Fuck that. Fuck that shit. Fuck that shit. You know, just people losing their shit. That's, they found out know, that, it's another white kid. That's racism. That, that's literally... Well, that's, that's not even the point. Let me just... Then the, then the movie happens, though. Then the movie happens... And then everyone's like, oh my god, you was only in for 15 minutes, but best Spider-Man ever. And it's just like, it was, we, can we just wait to see what happens? It's just people, I don't know, I, I guess it's a very immediate response. That's not the entire fan basis, but that's just that, you know, it's, you know. I mean, that's to me, like, when I hear stuff like that, though, that's no different than, than being, like, a, a bunch of white people going, like, oh, my God, Cyborg's going to be black? He's always been black. Why don't you get a white guy in there to play Cyborg? And it's like... That's literally what people are saying of Spider-Man. It's like, dude, Spider-Man's always been white. Let's just have him be white. And Miles Morales, he's a different character. He's not—he's not Peter Parker Spider-Man. That's a different character. You know, it's just like—I I guess here's my stance on that. It's one of those things where it's okay if they suddenly say, "Let's try a different ethnicity." I'm okay with them saying, "Let's try a different ethnicity." My thing is, just don't let that be your mission statement. Or don't, don't let, let that don't do the thing where it's like okay don't make Peter Parker a different ethnicity make it Miles Morales he's a different well, he, person well even if he did because well the way my my Miles Morales came about is the whole conversation of what if they got a black actor in the next Spider Man movie and that's a conversation that came about and that's where my how my Miles Morales was made just through a conversation online which I think was started by Mark McBernard but anyway um but uh, the thing about that is. I'm okay with them trying something different. If they said like, all right, you know, like Ezra Miller, it's not exact. It's not like he's, um, 
it, he's not he's definitely not like a, a, a blonde haired blue eyed guy he's still a white guy whatever but i mean i don't think he's white they, though i think he's something else i think he's white maybe not but I don't anyway. think so. he doesn't look white though. i think he's some kind of middle eastern or something like that that's why i keep I mean, probably he's not but i keep saying like i feel like he's something like that well I'll look I'll, I'll look into it but anyway but he's a good actor and the thing mm. is from other stuff i've seen him in perks of being a wallflower and whatnot but um if they suddenly said hey let's make uh let's make wally west asian or let's make or let's make wally west let's make uh let's make uh barry allen like black i'd be like okay let's see what happens i mean i'm not i'm not being kind of like he has to be this and he has to be that i'm just saying let's see what happens because that was the whole thing with johnny storm i was fine mike uh, michael b jordan he's an awesome actor and that's he's the why best I, part of the movie <laughs> he was the best part of that movie so that's why i was totally fine with him being johnny storm because like oh he has a lot of charisma i can totally see him being johnny storm and that movie wasn't that great but he was awesome yeah. so and i thought it was kind of like they underutilized him so that's an example where i think you could get away with something like that it's just you got to leave the just if you leave the door open that's fine it's just don't go in there saying What's 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 special about this Spider-Man movie? Well, this one he's black. Well, is there anything else? Well, that's what we're starting off. Just don't go in there trying. If if you just keep it open to just this age range and let whoever walks in, whoever does the best job, they get the part. You know? Yeah. There's something well, I, like I just, Black Panther it, has to be black because there's no way around that. Well, that's what I mean though. But that 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 but that's a perfect example though. There's no way around Black Panther being black. But we can take somebody like Peter Parker and make him black. Like, what's the difference? Though? Well, because there's way there's way more white characters than there are black characters. And it's kind of hard to kind of get. A foot I, I, I don't think that's the, I don't think that's the reason. I think that it's, you know, it's for some reason that they, they, they would say if we said like, hey, let's make Cyborg white and let's make, you know, Peter Parker black. People go, oh, that's fucking racist. But it's like, no, you're literally doing the same thing. It's just that's like reverse racism. And I'm not saying that. I that's why I think Miles Morales is better for the fact that it's like, okay, well, here he's a brand new character. He's not Peter Parker. He's a different Spider-Man, you know. And, and I think that's the thing is that you want to create a new character. You don't just want to palette swap. You don't want to just like flip through your Street Fighter characters and choose that weird, awkward looking color <laughs> where it's a black Ryu with like a pink suit on. You know what I mean? I don't, yeah. To me, that's like one of those ones that's funny if like you like to play like that on Street Fighter, but if Street, if Ryu came out and that's who he was the whole time, you'd be like, well, that seems weird. Or you know Ken I mean? with blue hair. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, if, if you're making a joke, but I just, I think that there's tons of black characters already. Like, why don't we just use those guys? Or why, if we make somebody like Miles Morat or fucking Miles. What I, my, here's just my thing. Miles I'm not Tales saying. Growler. <laughs> Played by Michael B. The tail of the song, the Hedgehog movie. Michael B. Jordan just in a Tails costume. Yeah. <laughs> Christian Slater is Sonic. <laughs> in a costume. I don't know why. Just the, the idea of them in the costume. It's like kind of like a half-assed costume. Like you can still <laughs> see like their face. It's just kind of like over the top. It's like out of their mouths or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, they're a lot. They're really well. Michael B. Jordan was expensive, but we really just got to get the face out there to sell this movie. I, I think so, actually Christian Slater is kind of expensive now because he's got that fancy TV show that he's got like a bunch of awards for. Oh, good for him. That's good. Yeah. But um, no, here's the thing. I'm not saying go in there. They have to be you have to be progressive and get a different ethnicity. I'm just saying if they did, that wouldn't bother me as long as the actor was good. And as long as they weren't trying so hard to cram it down your throat being like, it's progressive. Because but when you when you just do that, 
it seems like you're pandering. It exactly. Seems like you're just trying to pander to people. Where if, you know, the whole Michael B. Jordan thing, regardless of the rest of the movie, that seemed like he was doing a good job. I'm still totally for Rock for Lex Luthor. I think that would be awesome. And, you know, he's Samoan. Lux Luther's never really been. He's always been a white dude. Well, he's always so, been a white dude, but the thing is, he's always been. He never looks white though. Like in like a lot, of the, he looks white in like the movies, and he looks white in like the some of, some of the comics. But in recent times, like he always like in all the animated series, he do, he never looks white anymore. It's like they've almost like made him so he looks kind of like you can't really tell what he really is. It's like almost like mm-hmm. kind of like how the Rock was always like nobody really knew what the Rock was in back in the day. Like what is he really? And it's like well, he's half black, he's like, half lion, but yeah. Which I think he would be perfect for, like, Lex Luthor. Oh, I think that's, like, the most ultimate Lex Luthor. I don't know. Hopefully in the long run what they'll do is when they pick characters, instead of kind of picking odd choices, they'll pick... I don't have a problem if they want to change the race of a character. For instance, Deadshot, because Will Smith did an awesome job. It's just when they they try to make that the selling point. And they're just yeah. trying to look like, look how progressive we're being. It's just like, well, let's just see how they do a good job. Awesome. Cool. That's good. Yeah, just exactly. don't let that be the driving force of the movie. And I think that's it. I think lots of times that's what it becomes. Is they just they they do the palette swap just so they can they feel like they can get a wider range audience maybe or maybe a lesser range audience because I don't know. And, and in defense of that, I guess that is regardless of that uh, we we talk about that. That's something they always talk about. They hardly ever do it. I mean, they've done it a few times, and a few times it's happened. It worked out in most cases that I can think of, but. They hardly ever do it. That's the thing I notice. It's just always something that kind of they bring up in conversation, and there's a big uproar about it. Well, they they do it quite often nowadays. It seems like it seems like it's more. It's pretty common. It seems like every single series there's at least going to be one or two palette swap characters. But the ones that are negative, though, I'm talking about. Oh, the, the negative. Yeah, here's the only negative one I can assume is Killer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that that's actually here's the thing because he, he has been portrayed as a black guy in Brazil. Yeah, Rose, but, I, they, they've done that before. But, but I mean, it's like, and I have no problem with him being a black guy. It's just they wrote him just so when they show him in the in his fucking like cell, just waving his, waving his hands like yeah, just like are you serious? You know, and it's like he's like it's just like some rap video of like just a bunch of booties like bouncing up and down. It's just like I'm like yeah, it's just one of those ones. It's, <laughs> Like let, let, let's yeah I don't know I don't know how else they, there's no there's no defending that one whatsoever there's no reason to defend I don't know what the heck's I don't know who thought that was a good idea but I could see that being kind of like we need to give him some like just make it kind of funny I don't know that whole end so, yeah that's that all it had to be was that it had been some white guy who was like that is hilarious <laughs> look at him he's so black I don't see that being David Ayer put in that no that, I, that's definitely I don't know who the heck wrote that part but yeah that's like some second unit shit. If that even, I don't, I don't even think it's second unit. Yeah, just whoever the hell was in charge of writing Killer Croc's section. But regardless of the problems we have at the end, where they all come together like a family, like they say, or how like, or like, what was El Diablo said? Like, these are my people. Just like, oh boy, that one, that that drink we had for like you know ten minutes ago. It's we really had some soul searching conversations there. But um, the part when he um, when he's like, these are my people or whatever, and, and then. That part's fucking lame, but I will say the fight itself where they're all fighting Enchantress and she looks all kind of just pitch black and you just kind of see her eyes and she has blades and she's teleporting, fighting each one of them. That's a cool 
fight. That's a, that was actually pretty cool. I thought. Yeah, no, no, no. That that fight's pretty badass. <laughs> there are some parts that kind of like I know it's supposed to be funny, but you like watch like Harley Quinn run up and hit a baseball bat after everybody else uses all these like either powers or some kind of strands. Like, yeah, that baseball bat's really gonna do it now. And since everybody else couldn't do it. <laughs> And then, like, you know, it's basically, she, she's the one that does, the, they, they had to give her a moment, and she's the one that grabs Katana's sword, slices her, and grabs the heart. Uh, but I will, yeah, say, they kinda, I will say, they kind of shoehorn Harley Quinn in as being, like, the main character, when I think it almost should have been more Deadshot. But, I mean, that's just, I, I know why they did it, because that's the, they're, they're, that's doing it by the numbers. If there are two main characters, or three it's, main characters, it's Deadshot, Harley Quinn, Rick Flagg. Rick Flagg yeah. should have just been supporting. He should not have been a main character. And that whole, I mean, if they had a relationship between Enchantress, it could have been written fucking better than that. And plus the end, when he stabs the heart, just like, yeah, tough titties, that happens. Yeah, you lost your girlfriend, that sucks. And then she's yeah, like, she's gone, Rick. She, yeah, it's like, yeah, like, Rick, she's gone. I feel her, she's gone. Just like, Fuck. You had to go there. You couldn't just have it be like, yeah, shit happens like that sometimes. Yeah, I don't know. I'll say this too with the Rick flag. It's like this, here's another part that I thought was kind of like unnecessary. Is why is it? Why did he have like five or six like other guys with him? Or there was actually probably like ten to start. I mean, I know they're probably there just so somebody gets fucking killed that we don't have to like have any care about. But it seemed kind of weird. It's like okay, you're gonna have the Suicide Squad or Task Force X. What, what's I mean I understand having like kind of like in a sense the slave driver which is Rick Flag, but why do you need like the ten other like mercenary guys there like what, you know what I mean? My only thing I can think of is they're just there just to have something to kill. But I feel like why why you got the best? Why would you? What's the point of even having these guys? You know the whole reason of having Task Force X is to have these like super powered guys that pretty much fight off super powered villains. Probably so, just they're probably just going off for the logic of just probably saying well. Just so it's easier to maintain these guys. So it's not I, a I guess, flag. It's like, because, you know, I guess when, when you watch anything else that's like Suicide Squad or read it or anything like that, they never have anybody like that. Because the, the whole point, it's the bombs in their neck are like what's keeping them in check. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's necessary to have those other guys there. It's like, what's the point? You know, they're not, they really are. I'm, I, yeah, my, my only argument to think of why they're there is just so we have something to get killed that we don't have to care about. <laughs> it sounds mm -hmm. so horrible when you say it like that, but that's really what they are. Oh, that, there's that. Yeah, I think it's two things. Basically, just for people who don't read Suicide Squad or people who have not seen cartoons or played video games with Suicide Squad in it, I think it's basically just kind of like, all right, these are the enforcements, making sure they don't get out of line because Rick Flagg can't do that himself, even though he can in the comics. He just can't do it himself here. And on top of that, this way, like you said, they can kill somebody and we don't have to feel bad about losing it unless it's I, I, the second they showed him in the trailer. I'm like, Slipknot's the first to die if anyone's dying. Slipknot's the first to go. And when it happens, like, I didn't think it was going to be that fucking quick, but okay. <laughs> it's just like, they go, go they go out of their way to make him look cool, too. It's not like... Yeah, he had a cool design and everything. But, you know, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I mean, the only thing I know for Slipknot in was Identity Crisis. And in that, he's just like a guy, as far as I know, a guy in a jail cell who tells him about a, a certain knot that was used to kill or attempt to kill, I think, Ray Palmer's wife. So, yeah. and I don't think he actually did anything. Maybe he did. Maybe he helped. But I, I, that's the only thing I know he was in. And he was never really that big of a villain, as far as I know. It was kind of like KG Beast and Assault on Ar and like Assault on Arkham. Another character in there that we actually didn't even talk about at all, but I thought they actually did a really Amanda good job Waller? on. Yeah, Amanda Waller. I thought that was... I liked how they got kind of like an in-between one, too. They didn't try to give her, like, the sexy look that they were given an arrow. 
and they didn't give her like yes, like the over the top fat look that they give her mostly a lot of the comic books and stuff like that. But that look that she had, it was like that was perfect. I like the way that the character was designed that she could still like handle herself. She could still do stuff, but she still also had vulnerabilities and all that kind of stuff too. I thought she did actually a really good job in that one. Viola Davis was awesome in the movie as Amanda Waller. Here's the thing: because the movie it has a lot, a very it has a good cast and it has like a makes good usage of certain characters. It's just it could have done more with Carly, Captain Boomerang and Rick Flag. It's not even like the guy was acting. I imagine Rick Flag being kind of a hick. Uh, I just think that the whole like she's my girlfriend and I love her, so that's what I'm doing. And then, then Deadshot's just like we're gonna do it. We're gonna save your woman just because. My little girl's not gonna know, is gonna know that what her daddy did, and he wasn't always a piece of shit. Just like, okay, okay. all right, <laughs> you know, that would have been fine with just him. Just I, and the, the, I can, I can see. The thing is, I can see them kind of like coming to some mutual terms, but almost this un, unspoken thing, just small things that yeah, kind of yeah. could have progressed throughout each action scene of them saving each other, just faintly, or even just like they're not nothing to the point of being kind of like. We're family, but at the point, like, we respect each other. That's how I res- always assume the Suicide Squad is. They you could have probably done it without saying any of that stuff. I think that was the downfall of the movie. Like, they always had to say it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is, like, they had Scott Eastwood in it, and they really did. Like, I thought he was going to be some kind of, like, like hidden character. It's like, nope, just some random soldier. I think he was, like, one of the few soldiers that survived. And Scott Eastwood, I don't know anything he's in. I know he's Clint Eastwood's son. And everyone was saying, fuck, that's Clint Eastwood's son. They must have got him for a reason. Just like, nope, they didn't. People are, like, <laughs> rumoring Deathstroke. I'd just be like, how awesome would that have been if, like, this is my uh, this is my good friend Slade, by the end of this movie, gets an eye taken out. Yeah. Yeah, which I didn't even know. I kind of forgot Scott Eastwood was in the movie. He was just he was just miscellaneous soldier, kind of next to Rick Flag the whole time. Like, oh, that must be Scott Eastwood. Okay, it's that kind of thing where, sadly enough, it's like maybe it's not. Um, I was gonna say what's his name? Um, that wrote Dark Knight and Man of Steel. David Goyer. Because the downfall of David Goyer is, I don't, I don't know. You know, I think he's one of the producers on this one. I don't think he wrote it, but if he's involved with it, the downfall of him is he will create characters that like should so be somebody, and then just happen to be just toss away characters. I don't know why that always is. I, I, I like. I mean, David Goyer's kind of hit and miss with me. He's made some of my favorite superhero movies, and then he's also just. He comes across as there's some interviews I saw him in, like I'll say the Nerdist interview he came across great, but there's some interviews he came across like I get you're trying to make a joke, but it was just like there was like okay there's like what was it? There was some con he was at, and he said something to the lines of like he said something to the lines of like um, he was at a con like I mean I want to use more characters, but all right here's an example: Who here knows Martian Manhunter? And then, like, you know, not everybody, but a, a good handful of people in the crowd raise their hand. Well, show your hands. And they raise their hands. Like, okay, now how many people have been here been laid? Show your hands. Just like, pff, good way to insult the fucking audience there, dude. <laughs> well, I'll say this. David Gore, he kind of comes across. See, this is the problem, though, is he comes across as a guy who, like, yeah, you know, I kind of like comics and things like that. Like, I, you know, but not like he's not the fan. He just kind of reminds me of somebody who's kind of like, well, I thought Batman kind of looked kind of cool. Like, well, he has, like, that kind of attitude. But, you know, he, he'd be cooler, though, if he was, like, the Punisher. Like, one of those kind of guys that's like, well, that Batman's not the Punisher, though. He's like, yeah, well, he'd be cooler if he was. I think that David Goyer is somebody who 
he's made some good movies, but I think he almost needs someone kind of looming over him. Like he has a good idea. This is coming from somebody who's not had a job in Hollywood saying, here's what David Goyer fucking needs. But I mean, it's one of those things Like I noticed that like most, his best movies aren't the movies where he's by himself. It's or the movies where it's strictly written by him. He Mm. has someone else like, you know, kind of like what, like, all right, the, the Chris Nolan movies, Chris Nolan was there with him the whole way on that and almost kind of micromanaging a lot of things. You know, there's no way he just, Chris Nolan just says, write it. I'll go exactly with whatever you say. You know, Chris Nolan was overseeing a lot of shit like, oh, let's change this. Let's change that. You know? Well, yeah, because his name's on the credits too. But, um, well, I, here's the thing. I think David Gore, it's, it's part of like, he's part of the stepping stone, but he's almost part of the guys that they almost need to sort of retire and just get new blood in there. I think that it's kind of like I'm not, even though I like all these guys, but I think it's Christopher Nolan, his brother, what's his, whatever Nolan, I don't David think Goyer. Nolan's part of it anymore. He he like produces. Well, yeah, but here's what I'm just squad. saying like I, he produces stuff like that. But I'm saying that Zack Snyder, all those guys, I love all those guys' stuff, and I can't wait to see all the new things again. I can't wait to see that fucking new Christopher Nolan movie about World War One. That looks fucking badass. But um. Every movie I've seen of Christopher Nolan, I love. But here's the thing. I think that those guys, they did their work, and I think it's just time for new people to all take over. And I'm not I'm not saying that's like, like oh, we got to make a petition to make sure that Zack Snyder is locked up in jail so he can't direct movies. No, Go to change.org! <laughs> yeah, n- none of that bullshit like that. I mean, like, legitimately, it's like that kind of thing where I think it's time to pass the torch. And these guys, like... Here's the thing. It's like those guys have all been doing it for over 10 years. Like that's a good run. It's not like there, there's nothing wrong with it, but there's no reason that like I think it's time for the next wave. And that's what's kind of missing in D.C. Mm-hmm. is that they just need to start having the next guys come in here. And I keep saying it's either the D.C.U. guys or the full on guys that are in the comics. Get Greg Capullo and Scott Snyder to get in there directed. There's nobody's going to be better at making Batman than those two. Well, they got they, they've already like Chris Nolan says, look, I'm producing Batman. I'm, I'm, I'm producing Superman. Then I'm gone because he has he's separating himself because he knew that he they they because they came in the multiple times they want you we want you to direct justly we want you to do this he's like dude I'm quitting while I'm ahead I'm getting the fuck out of here here's my you can put my name on Man of Steel and I'm fucking out and that's yeah. what he's been doing now I just think you're right I think the others kind of got it, it it's almost one that's like you know it's Zack Snyder he had a great run he did 300 he did Watchmen you know he did Man of Steel and he did Batman v Superman but I think it's and about on t- Justice League yeah yeah. So it's, it, it, I think it's about time that he kind of like, you know, goes back and kind of either works on his own project or takes on it. I mean, like he'll make great movies till the end of time, but I think it's just we need the fresh blood in there. That's kind of what's missing. But it is yeah. the point where it does need a little bit more levity. And I will say the end of Suicide Squad seems kind of like, well, what would a human like? I believe a human would like relations and levity right here. Maybe we should put that between these characters. Maybe we should try to put maybe drinks. Humans like to intake drinks. Yes, they they do. So I've heard. I almost feel like that's what the movie is, kind of near the end. Yeah, it sort of is. You know, and here's the thing: for the most part, I think the Suicide Squad's a fun movie. I think to sum it up, what really kind of like brings it down a bit is the fact that it starts off amazing. It starts off as a four out of four movie. It and then by the time we get to the I don't know if it's the halfway point or whatnot. Then it's just like the pacing drops, so that's kind of a bad thing there. And then there's a couple of handful of retarded lines and maybe a little bit of stereotypicalness that kind of weighs it down. But, you know, positive-wise, you know, know, half the characters are still pretty badass. You know, Amanda Waller's great. 
Will Smith's great in it. Mm-hmm. Um, even the Harley Quinn and Joker stuff, I think that's really good. And I actually really like the Joker. I know that they're like, you know, it's kind of a 50-50 on that one. People either seem to really think he was great or people go, oh, I don't know. That was kind of a weak part of the movie. The couple of scenes that Batman appears in it were totally badass. Plus, you get to watch Batman like fucking try to save Harley Quinn out of the water and then punch her in the face when he tries to attack her. Like, <laughs> that's probably the funniest scene in the movie. That's that's very Batman right there. Yeah, exactly. Um, so all those scenes were pretty cool. I like how the Flash had a little cameo in there. I didn't think that was actually going to happen, but he's yeah, the one who captures yeah. Captain I was, Boomerang. I was thinking it's kind of it's weird. They're going to introduce um, a Flash villain with no history to the Flash. And then it's just like, oh, shit, there he is right there. And I, I was surprised about that. Now, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I did not stay to the very end of the credits because it was it was a couple things. One. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. I assume nothing would happen. There's the midway point where you get to see Bruce Wayne talking to uh, Amanda Waller where he's basically saying, look, I'll protect you, provide you give me this information. But just so you know, eventually I will shut down the Suicide Squad, which, you know, I'd, lo- I'd be down for seeing Just League versus Suicide Squad. I can see them building up to that eventually. Yeah. Um, but um, I saw the movie with the worst group of people. I mean, I, I saw it with Jill and Wes, not them. But there's people next to us, just these super fucking, like, Broy hipsters and the thing is you know they would laugh at a lot of the stuff we were complaining about but mm-hmm. they're the kind of people that would just like laugh and just like oh my god and like you know someone does like laser shit because you know they're a demon or something it's just like oh what it's just like yeah you're in a fucking superhero movie that shit fucking happens yeah, that's that kind of shit. To have that you know? kind of audience. Like, oh my god, oh my god, what? You know that kind of shit, and like, or it's just like, this is Killer Croc. He's a cannibal. You know, not not even so much. Yeah, they laughed on the black stereotype jokes, but they it was more on the stuff like kind of like when he'd ru- growl or roar, they'd be like, oh my god. It's just like, what the fuck does he look like? A fucking crocodile. It's one of those things, like, I'm not trying to, like, sit here and, like, you know, be like, hey, guys, be, give the movie a chance. I'm not trying to be that guy, but it's like, it's like, what, you don't got to like the movie, but when people are laughing, it's, it's like the kind of people, like, dude, Superman is so fake. Yeah, no fucking shit, it's fake. It's a Yeah, so is Jesus book. Christ. Yeah. You know <laughs> so, what I mean? They're, it's, it's, they're story characters. Get over it, you know? But people are fucking retarded. I hate people sometimes. Yeah, and then we were just kind of like... We just got to, I was like, I'm going to stay for the, this scene, but those people were still there. So I'm just like, I'm just going to fucking leave. So I'm just going to like murder all these fucks if I'm here for another minute. So we, you know, we, we walked out, we, we, uh, we were on the, on the way, as we were walking down the road, we were talking about the movie, some of the same complaints we, I walked away liking it more than them, but had the same complaints we were kind of having now more than anything though, bitching about the fucking people we saw that were there within the movie. Yeah, that, that's always that's always kind of the downfall of the movie theater is that like your experience has sometimes changed based on what retards have come in. Yeah, you know, and that's always kind of sad. But at least in my theater, I had a pretty good experience. Well, because I like I always sit in the seats where I know I won't be bothered by anybody. <laughs> Even though there was somebody who was obviously being bothered in the back of the theater, because about fifteen minutes in the movie, you could just hear those guys like, "Hey." If you fucking throw another thing at me, I'm gonna come up there and whoop your fucking ass. <laughs> that's okay. I, I, that's, that's okay because that guy, that guy's entertainment. 
And in a sense, I think that guy was maintaining the theater because after that point, nobody's going to fucking say shit or do anything because they know somebody's about to whoop a, up somebody's ass. So it's like, perfect. That's what he's we need. He's the Batman of the theater. That's yeah, what you he know, is. He's, he's there to defend it. So yeah. that was okay. But, you know, okay, that's what I think. Suicide Squad, I kind of wonder how... Like, okay, me and you, we like that movie probably more than the average Joe, like always, for, because it's a DCU movie. I'm kind of wondering what the people who aren't into DC, what they're going to think of this movie. Because I don't know. That could be kind of a movie where somebody could go, well, like, I don't know. That was a little bit on the dumb side or anything like that. I don't. I, I feel like it's a harder sell to someone who's not a DC fan, strangely enough. Well, uh, I talked to... Well, after seeing the movie, um, I, you know, Wes, he's a big DC fan. He didn't really like it that much, but he, he liked certain, he says, there's certain things about the movie I loved. I just didn't really like it that much. And that's unfortunate because I wanted to love it. Mm-hmm. And then, um, talked to my other friend, Jill, and she was kind of like, she likes science fiction and she likes, you know, genre, but she's not really into comics as much. Not that she hates them. She just never got into it. Mm-hmm. And she was like, yeah, you know, I didn't really like it that much, but I really did like certain scenes and I loved how, even though it was kind of stereotypical, there was a big diverse crowd of characters in the movie and they all stood out in their own way. And there are things about it that I did like, I just think it probably could have used another draft. So, um, you know, I think that, you know, unless you, I, I I'm kind of curious in that aspect because you and me, I think I noticed that people that are fans, of the comics, they either really love these movies or really hate these movies because they didn't do the comics justice in their opinion, you know, mm-hmm. or they like it because they like the characters so much. I can honestly see someone being kind of like looking past the cheesy lines and just being whatever. It's a movie. It's fun. I can see that. Or I can see people like that's oh, too fucking cheesy. Well, yeah, because as well as ones like, I mean, like, I, I don't know. I, I see that the average probably review for this movie would be like a two and a half out of four. If I had a guess, yeah. I think that I, I give it a three because I like I just like Batman DCU stuff so much that no matter what, I'm going to always like it more than the average Joe. And I think that's kind of the same with you. But I just kind of wonder. It's like, I don't know. I mean, I, I can see somebody going, oh, no, I, I actually thought this movie was like a three and a half out of four. Like, I really actually like mostly all of it. Maybe there's a couple corny lines in it or maybe some other stuff. Or maybe the pacing is like a little bit bad towards the end. But for the most part, I still thought it was pretty fun. So it, it'll be interesting to see. I, I bet you it's a very mixed review movie. Like, I just think that either you're going to like it, either you're going to think it's okay. I don't know if you could really hate it. I mean, there's always going to be somebody that hates it, obviously, but that person probably just hates life in general, so we're not really going to count his opinion. Wednesday, before the movie came out, I did two, like, cross-checking. On, like, IMDb, it had, like, a four... It, like, I had, like, like, four stars out of five. And then on Rotten Tomatoes, it had... Well, Rotten Tomatoes, I don't even... I don't even like... I don't even know. Here's the one Rotten Tomatoes. I don't really take Rotten Tomatoes that seriously. I, I really don't take them that seriously. But... That is a good consensus of what public opinion on the movie is going to be. So I, I could say Rotten Tomatoes. That's like the negative consensus. That's like the hate mongers. They are like the Nazis of like <laughs> the Nazis. <laughs> of like the movie critic. Is this Suicide Squad in Zadich? <laughs> that site has always come across is fifteen year old fat kid who thinks he knows more about every single movie and video game than anybody else, and is so judgmental on every little thing that it almost like surprises you the second that he actually likes something. What Rotten Tomatoes ultimately is, is it takes every single critic review, like main critic review, throws it on there and they, they judge by the reviews on what the score is. And then there's an audience score. There's where you can go on there and judge it. And I was going to say on Rotten Tomatoes, 
critic score at the moment, last time I checked, was something like 28% or something like that. See, critic, score, those guys. critic score, 70. I mean, um, audience score, 73. Okay, so that's better there. So at least we know the audience is smarter than the critics. But still, it's like, even like, I, th- I think this is also what bothers me about Rotten Tomatoes. It's called Rotten Tomatoes. It's not called Ripe Tomatoes. They're literally glass is half empty people. And I don't like, and I think just that attitude, I'm kind of, it pisses me off just to see them get so popular and even have them like on official documents like, oh, it's Rotten Tomatoes certified. It's just like, no, fuck. No, I get you. I don't take it that, like I said, I do not let that be a barometer if I'm seeing a movie or not. I don't let that, I don't let that sway my opinion i'm just saying like oh well this movie is going to be probably critically panned or a lot of people are going to have this view on it but it's regardless i'm just i'm sometimes curious to know and to see something like oh captain america they even even these assholes like captain america have like a 90 something percent so huh well we talked quite a bit about super size squad i have no idea what our time's really at because we had kind of like the split there but um i know that you probably finally saw the batman the killing joke and as yeah, always I got, I got it yeah that's that's always like if anything that's like if our podcast is one thing the second thing it's always is is almost like the Batman DCU <laughs> of almost unofficial place to talk about that good stuff. So what did you think once you finally got to see it? Because I know we talked about it before, but you didn't see it yet. Um. Well, in all honesty, you might get a little mad at me. Get me wrong. I still like the movie, and I'm just gonna watch it again. And I'm and I'm glad I got the movie. Um. I think the whole Batgirl chapter at the end. It's kind of weaker. Yeah, I meant the beginning. I I understand they're trying to make like, okay, let's do a Batgirl story so you can understand what was taken from her and you can understand why it sucks. Because if you just open up, like, who's this librarian? But And I understand trying to, you know, make you see, oh, she was very capable. She was really strong and this and that. So I can I can understand what they're trying to do, but they could have really. It felt kind of tacked on there. It felt totally separate from the rest of it. I think well, I will say you could because li- when I watch that movie again, you can literally split that movie in two pieces because it it pretty much in a sense fades out or fades the black from Batgirl scene and then fades into the Killing Joke, and it's in a sense two separate movies that are almost pieced together or shorts i guess you could almost say because mm-hmm. there is really no interconnection between the two i mean obviously it's batman and characters and so on but mm-hmm. it's it's not really connected at all i mean it almost is two separate things so i think that they could have maybe maybe done something like tying into joker or maybe cuz that guy paris france that is such a lame fucking villain maybe if he was Maybe he's like an unknown, like smaller character that's been in the comics that I'm not aware of. But mm-hmm. if you're going to give me 30 minutes, give me something more intimidating than a hacker who, who's the nephew of a mob boss and call him Paris France. I mean, and it's in the wrong. This isn't me totally shitting on that movie. This is just me saying like, you know, yeah, the, the, the first 20, 30 minutes of the movie is a little weaker. And I guess if you were going to do like a story about Batgirl, Maybe do one where you see her totally as a badass rather than seeing her having trouble or guy trouble with Bruce. I understand the whole relationship with that, but mm-hmm. if we're kind of setting her up to get shot and have this tragic story about her, just they, I think they should have focused more on a story where she was badass the whole way than to have the whole um, – killing joke aspect makes it that much more tragic you know what i mean now i'm not one of those people who's like the chilling jokes ruin this movie's horrible because there was there was still some cool action in there i like the dynamic between 
Um, well, my thing is like I'm I'm okay with the Batman Barbara relationship and the whole thing of them fucking doesn't really ruin it for me. I mean, I mean, you know, because they, I do they feel like it's, I think it's almost in there to be more shocking than anything else. Yeah, yeah, it and really it's not saying it. that it doesn't exist in the comics, like the idea of like a weird like relationship there. Maybe like I almost thought that this way. It's like you know what it almost could have been. I know they probably didn't want to throw Dick Grayson in there, but it almost could have been like a weird thing. You could almost have used Dick Grayson instead of Batman. And had him have this weird, like, oh, now we did this, and now we got to, like, work together. Like, almost like that would have been maybe a little bit more. Because, once again, as I said this last week, the only thing that makes it weird is that the fact that it's, like, her dad's, in a sense, best friend. That makes it kind of, like, a weird – I think that's the only thing that makes it weird. It's not that he's the older guy. It's not that he's Batman or anything like that. It's just the fact that it's her dad's best friend, which makes it kind of – like, yeah. that seems kind of creepy. It's almost like that guy that's come over to your house ever since yeah. you are a little kid – you know, which maybe if you would have used Dick... God, when you turn 18? <laughs> yeah, like, it's almost one of those ones, which I think if you would have used Dick Grayson, I bet you nobody would have complained about that. I bet you nobody would have, because it would have it seemed like, oh, yeah, well, we've seen this coming or something like that. I mean, they've hinted at it, and this just put the nail in the coffin, so it's whatever, and this is just the parallel universe to me. This isn't even... I don't even take this as the main killing joke. I just take this just a pocket universe type deal. Yeah, I guess you could say it like that too, even, but whatever. There. I mean, once again, that doesn't really bother me. And yeah, it's in the, the beginning. I mean, maybe it's like by having, like, I think maybe by using that Paris France character who is just kind of like your lame villain, it's like the whole point is about just like almost like beating a guy to death is sort of like what kind of drives her there. And I know some people go, like, oh, well, Batgirl will be able to handle that. And I think, yeah, in the long run, I feel that it's, to me, I look at like it's almost like she just needed a little bit of a break. I know they kind of make it out like she never put the costume on again, but I don't think that's necessarily true. I think it's just mm-hmm. she needed a break. So she takes it off. She happens to get shot during this break. And now she becomes paralyzed. And then she becomes Oracle. And then eventually she'll just become back to Batgirl again. You know, just like the comics. And the the whole thing with Oracle, I think that was to say... The little, like, put the mid credit scene at the end with her becoming Oracle. I think that is, like, just this... You know what? It's uh, just to give her some... To give her some kind of character arc. It's like, yep, now she's in a bed. You know, that's to give her say, nope, she's not done. She's still a strong character. So yeah. that was, I think it kind of needed that. I know there is that unsettling, just cut to black, hear the rain, no music. But I really think the mid credit scene with her becoming Oracle really helps because that actually gives her a little bit of justice at the end. Like, yep, she's still she over- out there. She, she, she can she overcome o- it. She can overcome it, Yeah. Now, but like that being said, it, it like I'm I'm not one of these people. Like, look, if you like DC and you like Batman and you like comic books, I'm gonna say, yeah, definitely get this movie. It's worth your time. And but the, I just think the first 20, 30 minutes of the movie are like probably the weaker part, and it's not that great. In all honesty, I'm gonna. I mean, the 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 killing joke stuff is really good, but I think that in all honesty, if I had to choose between watching the movie and reading the book, I'd probably go with the book because the artwork in the book is so good mm-hmm. and it is so much more like not even so much just like the fucked up things joker does it's literally the facial expressions jim gordon has in shock and horror as well as like the way how he draws those weird dwarf guys with the big eyes the, like that are in like the tutus and the gimp gear like that kind of shit mm-hmm. it's just it looks it, yeah it's it's it looks creepy in the in the movie it looks so much creepier in the fucking book, though. So I'm going to say that, yeah, yeah, sh- the movie's totally worth seeing. And if you like Batman a lot, it's to- totally worth owning. I just feel that the book is more effective. And, um, you know, when I watch this movie again, chances are most times I'm probably just going to skip straight to the uh, 
killing joke part because huh. I mean, look, the, the, look, the, the Paris France thing doesn't kill it for me because there's still some cool action within those scenes. Mm-hmm. But it's just in compared to the rest of it, it's like its own separate story. And I think that maybe you could have done something that was more linked to the actual killing joke or maybe something that was linked to Joker getting out or something like that. Or maybe not even Joker. Maybe it was just something like someone helped him get out. Maybe they're going against like Two-Face or Penguin or something. And then he had a hand that led into the killing joke somehow, you know? Yeah, I, I guess I could see that. Like, for I, I guess I like the beginning part a little bit more than you did, clearly. Because it's like, I guess the next time I watch, I'm just going to totally skip it. I don't even mean that. I mean, it's one of those things, the good part is, the really good part is past that. It's not one of those things like, that probably came off a little harsher than I meant it to. It just sounds like, but, I'm going to take the disc, I'm just going to scratch the section where the beginning is. Yeah, so the, good measure, just to get the point across. So that this, the DVD player just has to play it from the Killing Joke part on. It doesn't have a choice. I don't mean that. I mean, look, it's one of those things like, that's where I think it gets good. If I, I'm not probably literally going to go out of my way and fast forward all that, but if like, it's one of those things that I feel like, say I had someone who knew who Batman was and didn't really, uh, they knew of Batman. They played the Arkham games and all that, but didn't really read the comics. I think I could probably just skip to the killing joke part where they'd go, holy fuck, where I feel like they'd get to the, the Paris France part and they'd just be like, um, okay. Yeah, I guess I could see that too, especially if they had limited time on their hands. Because you, I do think that the killing joke, let's just say that section of the story, part two, that's one of those ones, like even if somebody like said like, well, I don't really read comics, you could almost just show them that 45-minute section and I think you still get like the effect of the comic book and it's almost like that could be the ultimate gateway into, you and, know. And all you can say is like, oh, that girl, the, the redhead, that's Batgirl. That's all you, you can just say that. You know what I mean? Like, oh, okay. You know, yeah, I, I guess, yeah, because that's about the only thing you have to explain because it doesn't really, like, tell you that without seeing the beginning. If for some reason, you didn't know. But um, it's, like, it's like the beginning part. Okay, it's like, if I had to rate that movie, it's like, I think that, yeah, definitely the killing joke section, I think that's, like, pretty much spot on perfect. I mean, I like how it takes just straight up scenes out of the book. And as far as making an anime, it still, like, almost, like, holds a lot of that charm in there and everything like that. And you got Mark Hamill and Kevin Conroy and everything like that. All of that is great, you know. And one like, thing I will I, say, yeah, I, maybe the Batgirl stuff is a little bit on the weaker side in the beginning. I think because it's kind of maybe because it's got like sort of some weird, like it's almost like, yeah, I guess this is how it is. You're looking at an '80s story combined with like a 2016 story because that's mm-hmm. re- that beginning story really feels like 2016 as much as possible. It's like you got your gay character in there, Bat- Barbara Gordon's having these weird relationship problems, and this is who she talks to, and everything like that, and like she's thinking of like. I guess that could be any time period, though, thinking about like the older man thing. But maybe that sort of what almost separates it. It almost if that let's just say instead of going to the killing joke, if almost like it continued into some other story instead, then maybe that would have worked out differently. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe she like had to go like, oh, I couldn't put up with Batman anymore. So I went and did this Birds of Prey thing or something like that. And that's how the story went on. Yeah. And, and then she met up with Black Canary and Huntress and all these other. Maybe like they all had their own like weird like thing. Like, yeah, Ollie, he banged my mom and then he started banging me. So now <laughs> like I can't be with him anymore. Because like a soap opera. Yeah, <laughs> yeah because it's like, like it's like this tragic girls like club. <laughs> well, no. like she's like, I was from another dimension. and I can't get back. <laughs> Just bang somebody in that tragedy mansion. Yeah, I banged Power Girl. That's what happened. And then she fucking, like, left me. We're talking real problems, okay? Don't make it all about yourself. 
Yeah, and whoever this power girl is, it's just like, I'm not making it up. Me and her, we, we were trapped from another dimension that we can't get back to. <laughs> I, I will say the one thing, and it doesn't, this, this still doesn't kill the book for me, but I was, I was almost like, um, I watched the movie twice, and I was like, I got it the first night, then I watched it again last night, and uh, while I was watching it, I was the second time around, I was almost flipping through the book and reading along with it, and they do get a lot of the lines. Almost, it's not line for line, but, but it's lot, close. It, it's very, it is very close. Even small lines, I didn't think they just they graze by. I will say, I think it's kind of dumb to make Batman kill that one dwarf guy because they were playing by the rules up until that point. But whatever, Batman it's, kills the dwarf. Who does he kill? There's, there's like. He he goes in that pit of spikes. He grabs on one of those guys, swings at him, but he grabs the guy, throws him over his shoulder, and you're shunk. Oh, I guess that is true. I, I didn't really notice it because I think because it's almost like you don't see it, you just kind of hear it. Well, maybe he just got his arm impaled. We don't know. Yeah, well, I'm gonna hope that. I'm gonna hope. But either way, I'm just gonna because you know Batman, he, he's good at that. He he knew how to like throw him in the right trajectory. Maybe he's everything. like he's too small for a whole soul to fit in there. <laughs> you know, he's not really alive. <laughs> Yeah, he's equivalent to like a parademon or something, like not real. <laughs> but no, um, the big the big thing about it is um, there's the part when Joker finally tells the joke, and that scene's really good. But the last image, it's probably one of the most important images of the book, I think. And this is gonna sound very like maybe very overly uh, overly like analytical, maybe. But there's a bunch of cops, cop cars coming with the ew ew coming, you know, the sirens mm-hmm. and. Um, you see the ground pans down to the ground to, to the to, to between them, and there's a line. There's a line between them, and I think it might be a reflection of the light. But there's a line between them. As it rains, the line disappears, and it's the line between the two of them. So I feel like that that's right there is was a very important part. But all it does in the movie, it just pans down to the rain, rather than being the line kind of blurring between the two of them. I guess I feel like you still get that in the movie without having to have that line there because the whole point is the fact that no matter what, it's like both Batman and Joker had one bad day. It, they each went kind of completely different direction and stuff like that. And the Joker's trying to prove his point that both Barbara Gordon and Jim Gordon can have a horrible day, too, and that make them go crazy. But in the long run, no, Jim Gordon's still a sane man. And no, Barbara Gordon still mm-hmm. gets up and, you know, does her thing. It's just the Joker is really the one who couldn't handle it in a sense. And that's mm-hmm. almost like the difference there. And even in the end, it's that thing where, you know, because in the book, it almost has there's like that one panel where it just looks like Batman just fucking like strangles and snaps Joker's neck. Whereas it's that where in the movie, I kind of like how they kind of like ixnade that. And they just kind of had it where it's just like he puts his hands on Batman's shoulder, even though Batman ends laughing. I guess the Joker stops laughing. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. But <laughs> it is that sort of thing is like they both pan out like. It's almost like the breaking point where it's like, that's okay. You know what? You, you, you do have your moments. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think, like, the, I'm not taking that because I've heard some people say that fucking ruined it for him. It's like, really? It's but, like, he should have broke his neck and then just got on the ground and started punching him in the face until his skull broke. It's like, okay, he's not the Punisher. I know everybody, he, wa- everybody wants Batman to be the Punisher. I don't know what it is. Like, people that aren't super Batman fans, they always want Batman to be the Punisher. And now, here's the thing. I love the Punisher, but the Punisher's the Punisher and Batman's Batman. 
Yeah, yeah. Maybe Batman just the thing. Just like, I just killed dwarfs. That's all. That's my I fucking hate little people. <laughs> but, um, but like, that's why uh, there's not a little people town in Gotham. Because I killed them all. It's <laughs> just like, it's night out. We can't go out. They just have like one of those little like communities just for them. They see like this bat like hunched over like on one of the buildings. Like, he's out. He's here. <laughs> run, run to your cabins. <laughs> You're not even safe, not in your shire. You know? <laughs> Where are you, little Lord of the Rings fucks? He's like, he's like breaking down like the fucking like buildings, like he's fucking like the big bad wolf, like after like the little pigs. I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll bat your house down. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but like, <laughs> so fucked up. But no, but like, um, the book though, um, I'm not literally. The whole, there's the whole thing. I'm not. I'm not saying because that, that's just the theory. The whole thing that Batman kills Joker right there, and this is a pocket universe thing. That's just the theory, and I think it's kind of like open ended enough to possibly be, um, kind of like. All right, I think it's something maybe like Alan Moore did that. Alan Moore's like, this is for me, but realistically, DC's not going to let us do that. So here we'll make it vague enough for yeah, that's for me. For me personally, that's where it ends. But. Uh-huh they can take pieces of this and continue on with the story. Kind of like how Scott Snyder said in like uh Endgame, he's just like, for me, this is where Batman ends. This is the real ending for Batman, but DC's not going to let me do that. So here is me having some, just this is me just having my ending, but then continue it on. Cause I know DC is going to want to do that. Yeah. It's like an Endgame. I think it's such a great ending there for Batman as well as in killing joke. Because you could say you could you could have it go that like it's almost okay yeah Jim Goran's a sane person but you know what guess what maybe I'm not as sane as possible that's why I'm busting here busting up laughing because there is and once again there's that one panel where it's like Batman's just like he's all angry and it's all kind of silhouette but you see Joker's like heads all turned back he's like ah! and then there's only one laughter after that point well it's it's, it's silhouetted so you could you can't tell if he's I'm looking at it right now you I mean can't they, tell they, they could be like having a he great could be laugh. gripping his shoulders or he could be gripping his neck it's kind of hard to tell either way he's laughing i could see him like they finally i'll be honest when i first read this book i took it as like two arch enemies had a moment together that's yeah, what i, took I didn't notice as. that the first couple times around that it's like oh i guess he could have killed him there i just looked like oh they're just having a good time <laughs> that's funny my thing is just i think that the whole like line between the two of them that disappears when it starts to rain is kind of important but when that the fact that that's gone doesn't really kill the movie for me where it bothered a lot of people because i mean i know that's i know i, I guess one like the, there's no difference between the two of them now i get what they're trying to say but at the same time it's you know it's just up open to interpretation exactly but yeah for the most part though i still think that that's one of the higher end batman dcu movies i i think if you had to like show somebody five of them i'd probably say that might be one of them in the choice maybe not me personally i'd say some other ones but i don't know it's like i, I liked it quite a bit I really, you know, I, I don't really have a whole lot to complain. Maybe I would say, yeah, maybe I will say the Batgirl stuff in the beginning is a little bit weaker. Maybe I still think almost if you would have had like Nightwing would have been probably the more realistic. It's not as ballsy, but it's definitely the safe route to do. And then mm-hmm. I guess if you had if you threw Nightwing, you can't really throw Nightwing in there because that would affect the next story. I, I kind of see why they chose almost the characters they chose for that beginning because they want to make something that when it went the killing joke. There wasn't any other things like, why is that character not there anymore? Or why is that character not there? It's like Paris France is almost a throwaway character. Yeah. Maybe he is one of those like weird fucking 1960s characters that just hasn't been pulled out before. So 
maybe it's like I think that it, yeah, that's he just felt like a, a throwaway character made for the moment, like some and, old gangster type character, and now they're just kind of modernizing him as sort of like some weird kind of like rapist guy. It's a possibility. I don't think that I don't think he is is in the comics. Maybe he is. But I think maybe that's they could have used someone like Black Mask or something like that if that was the case. Just someone who was actually intimidating and didn't walk around in purple and trying to be like a look like some like little entitled rich kid the whole time, you know? Because that's pretty much what he was. It's like he even killed the mob boss guy. He's like, I don't like him. He's he's, he's out like, of the picture. He's, he's my f- he's my uncle. And he's basically what got me started, but he's the old guard. I'm the new guard, me. You know, so yeah, but uh, they they did a whole thing. They tried to make him kind of creepy and crazy, but it still didn't work. He's like, uh, yeah, there's creepy and crazy, but you know, we already got the Joker, so good luck keeping up with that shit. Yeah, it, it is. Almost maybe it, maybe if it led in, maybe if they had him and like joke, maybe they were like trying to follow, figure out where Paris France went. Like, oh yeah, he was brutally murdered by Joker. Yeah, that, that would have maybe made me give like, oh yeah, yeah, keep that. Yeah, cool. Boy, this actually led to something really good. Yeah, I was wondering where the fuck are they doing with this pussy? Then I'm just like, oh wow, yeah, no, you just, keep that in there. Holy crap! Yeah, like or he's like part of the, he's part maybe of the. Maybe that's it. Like that's why the Joker went back to Arkham again because he brutally murdered this guy. Or what? Were to bring it full circle, what if it was just like, what if he was one of those? Uh, what if he? What if he like tested the whole carnival thing on him and he was just one of those freaks? What if he was just like one of the guys that was just kind of there as a sideshow and he just lost it? So he's like, he's part of the cult now kind of thing. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Kind of cool, neat turnaround there. So it's kind of like, oh, you know, the guy in the diaper, that guy, yeah, he actually, this is what he was beforehand. He was actually kind of a small time Gotham criminal, you know? And yeah, now he's just gone so crazy. He's wearing a diaper, and he's a man. You know, because there was one guy. I'm like, is that Zaz? No, he's not covering the scars. It's not Zaz. So you know. Yeah, I know what you're on your time, but that's who he looks like. But no, I think I think overall, I really enjoyed it. Um, what do you think about the next one coming out? They got the D or the Justice League Dark one. I like that. I mean, here's the thing. I I got the first volume of Justice League Dark when they did the uh, New Fifty Two, and I mean, I liked it, and that was my main introduction to Enchantress as well as other characters. But um, and I already I know of John Constantine, so I think it's cool seeing. Oh yeah, they're sort of doing John Constantine. I'm mainly excited for it because Swamp Thing is in it. And Swamp. Well, that's the bad. That that part's so badass. That they got Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing is one of my favorite DC characters. So the fact that he's in this, and maybe he later. I heard that, like, because they always mention him, oh, he's one of the magicer characters and darker characters, but maybe he comes in as Just League Dark later down the line, but, um, but, uh, um, maybe he comes to Just League Dark later down the line, but as far as I write out, he was never in there, but the fact that he's in this movie makes me a little bit more excited, and Zantana's always been a cool character. I just do like, though, the fact that, like, well, it's a bunch of characters that aren't really well-known, so to help sell it, Here's Batman. Well, yeah, that that's well, it's kind of like in a sense because it's the next Justice League movie, pretty much. And but I think it's cool because one, like they got the guy that played Constantine in the TV show, and that guy's totally badass. And that show was really sweet, but I just think it was just totally in like the wrong place for trying to sell it. Plus, we discussed this before. Whenever you, hit, I don't know what it is. I think magic and kind of like cult things and all that stuff, I always feel like they're a hard sell because there's only like a certain audience that likes it and the other like 75% of people don't care for that stuff because no matter what, whenever things like that come out, they just never do good enough. I've, I've never seen anything do super good that was in that style. Plus it's animated, so I think they could, they have no problem making extra bloody or extra violent. 
Exactly. So I think John Constantine and then Zatanna is one of my favorite characters. So I'm I can't wait to see her. And she's got a little bit of a different look, but that's okay. She looks really sweet. And then Swamp Thing, that'll be totally cool to see him going there. And then uh, who else? Dead Man. Dead Man. Yeah, Dead Man. Dead Man's a cool character. He's always a fun guy. Um, he's kind of like he's kind of a funny guy for being for being someone called Dead Man. He's actually kind of funny. Yeah, he's um, he's always been kind of like sort of like the Deadpool, but before Deadpool in a sense. I think because he's been around forever. What's his name? Like Boston Harkins? It's like, or, it's Boston like, something? Boston. It's, something. I, I want to say I always thought it was like a BB name, like something like Brad Boston, but I know it's not Brad, but something like that. Mm-hmm. But he 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 always appears in Nightwing and all kinds of other stuff too, because he's a trapeze artist as well. So they, that's where they get their tie. And then um, fuck, who else was in that? There's, there's like a fifth character in there too. Wasn't Madame Xanadu? Was it? No, I don't think it was her. She might be in it though. I, yeah, um, I don't think it was her. It was. I want to say there's another female character though. Oh no, no. You know what? It's um, at Azeroth or Azeroth the the demon. Oh yeah, yeah. A- I, Azeroth. I don't I don't know much about him, Azeroth. but well, I always seen Ezra Ezreth or something. I don't know much about him, but I always Azeroth. loved his design. Just the concept of him and his design is always really cool. Yeah, and he, he's one of those. Um, yeah, one of those. He was created by uh, what's his name from. Fuck the other guy who's not Stan Lee. Oh, Jack Kirby. Yeah, Jack Kirby's a Jack Kirby character, and yeah, well, he's been in like the Batman the Animated Series and Batman Brave and the Bold, and then I've seen him also in kind of comics, and so he's one of those characters like, I never read anything of his own, but he always appears in a lot of Batman stuff. Same thing he, here, yeah. And he's really cool, the Demon. But there's there's another female character in there too. I can't think of who it is, but I can't wait for that one. That one looks pretty sweet too. I know it's still in that. I think I almost like when they do like the killing joke ones a little bit more because I like that style where like each one could be one its own story and two you get different animation styles with it. But will, at the same time, I mean the continual stories that they're doing with the other two series, the Batman and pretty much the Justice League one, mm-hmm. it, it's still cool in itself too. I mean, like I know you don't get that. They're, they're, I mean, they've all been good. The Teen Titans one was great. The Aquaman one was great. All the Batman ones have been good, and it is a way to kind of continue these characters that you already know, and then we'll just add new ones in as time goes on. So that's kind of nice. I will say that even though I do like the idea of they're putting Batman in there as a mate as a big character is for the audience. I almost think, I mean, I understand what they're trying to do because he's the most, he's the most normal one of the just league sort of, but I almost think what should, what it would have been better is kind of like, even though Batman's fair character flash, because flash is, he is definitely the levity I think. And on top of that, he is much more of a science guy than Batman. So I guess. I don't know. I, I'd probably say Flash and Batman are about equal as far as science goes, because that's sort of like Batman's other thing. Is, I guess like, just to mix it up, just a break from just a break from just a break from Batman, just a break from Batman, you know? Well, yeah, and, and I know Batman's, he's, he's always, he's just the selling. You just slap Batman on the cover, and you'll buy that book, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's always how it's been. But yeah, well, it looks like they're going to have the rest of it. I mean, Superman kind of poked his head in a couple of times, and Wonder Woman and all that stuff, but yeah, it'll probably be majority Batman and the Justice League Dark and all that stuff, but I mean that's okay. Mm-hmm. I'm still looking forward to it, and uh, you know, so we'll see what happens. And that they're all coming out of these a lot quicker now, and I think they're probably gonna, um, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I'll say this: going back to Suicide Squad for a second, mm-hmm. I'm hoping they really get in good graces with Wonder Woman and Justice League because. I could see them possibly, you know, people eventually just getting tired of it and just being done. So, and then they just reboot it again. So, I'm really hoping that one comes around. Well, sadly enough, yeah, yeah everything is literally weighing on Justice League and Wonder Woman right now. And I, I hopefully hope that Wonder Woman will be the movie that goes like, oh, fuck, this is a four out of four movie. This is, you know, this is pretty much the Dark Knight, you know, what we've been waiting for, you know, in a sense. 
here's the thing about I'm, I'm not gonna lie i'm not that worried about wonder woman because a it looks really good b it's already being progressive by being the first like i mean sure there's others if you look but let's say the first big female, female superhero movie that's not made up for the television that's not made up for the, the screen i mean not like some you know like a well because really the only thing you shit. got here's here's her competition electra <laughs> yeah and yeah. God, is that it? I think, I think Electra. And yeah, yeah. There, like, there's Electra before her. But I mean, this is the first like big grand scale. Yep, we're treating it like a Batman movie. You're treating it like a Superman movie. And I'm not, you know, everyone's super amped up about it. Even people who don't like most of the DC movies are looking forward to this movie. So I'm, I, I'm not really that worried about it. I don't think they're going to fuck it up. I know I said that because I remember watching the trailer for Justice League and then looking at the Rotten Tomatoes sc- scores, like, how's this gonna fuck it up? How? How? I'm just watching. How? Like, I watched the movie, like, oh, that's how. But this right here, though, I'm not worried about. I'm just, I'm a little worried for Justice League. I'm just hoping they do take some levity and they, they're, they're gonna take their time with it. I don't think they're gonna rush anything. So. Yeah. Well, only time will tell. But yeah. that's probably a good place to wrap this up because God knows how long this episode is gonna end up being. It'll be like. Hopefully it's not breaching two hours, but I think we're only at... And hopefully you can actually hear it. It's not just like... The whole time. Yeah, the, the beginning was kind of bad. And if that is, I'll just kind of like cut a little bit of that out and kind of like, you know, make a good sandwich out of it. But mm-hmm. till then, make sure to check out oldmanorange.com for more podcasts, cartoons, music, and more. And I'm Spencer Scott Holmes. And I'm Ryan Dunnigan. We will see you some other time. Later, folks. Check out our website at oldmanorange.com for even more podcasts, cartoons, videos, music, and more. Send us an email at oldmanorangepodcast at yahoo.com. Be sure to subscribe, share, rate, and review us on iTunes, Podomatic, or any of the other fine sites we might be located on. If you want to help out even more, click on the Amazon or GameStop links on our webpage before you make any purchases there. It won't cost you a penny, but it sends us a little something our way. Thanks again, and tune in next week for more Old Man Orange Podcast.